Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, SCP fans. My name is Gregory Carpin. And this is Simply Creative People, the show about SCP creatives, be they authors, artists, or off-site content creators like YouTube and TikTok. We're focused on bridging the gap between various fans and serving as an introduction to different concepts and stories on the wiki. So, many welcomes to all, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome to episode 8 of Simply Creative People. I'm Gregory Carpin, author on the SCP wiki, and I'm joined by, as, as always now, I believe... <laughs> I challenge you to prove that I am not Harry Blank. <laughs> How do you prove a negative? Exactly. Yeah, can't do it. Just can't do it. Can't be Game done. Game over. Game over, liberals. I win. <laughs> Today, we are going to be talking about the Deva, which is a subject I, I know a little bit about. Yes, these are the Devas <laughs> we know. How long have you been waiting to use that one? Oh, I've got like five or six. Good. Excellent. Perfect. <laughs> so we're, we don't have a guest today, but you know, hopefully, our, all of our listeners are here in spirit. Yes, we'll 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 just try to have larger personalities to fill the fill the void. <laughs> That's right. We're gonna have to actually interact with each other instead of just interacting with the guests. Yes, I have plans to start at least three different fights. <laughs> what the even funnier secondary punchline would have been with who though. starting fights with people that aren't here and then we'll just see what happens yes well my cat's in here somewhere i could start a fight with the cat everyone loves cats yeah and violence my girlfriend's girlfriend's in here now but i'm not gonna start a fight with her oh no that's embarrassing Uh, no i don't be able to talk i'm just um, i feel i have earphones in she can't hear you it's fine she'll hear you when she listens to the podcast that's still kind of that's still kind of worry worrisome. The idea that there are people listening to this is scary. I prefer to imagine that it's just this is just some weird role play we're doing. Harry, you you know I'm putting these out on the internet, right? Def, define putting them out. <laughs> I post them on a distributor of podcasts, which then pushes them out to different podcast services for people to listen to. Yeah, yeah. I, I just heard some weird hissing noise. I think my mental filter detected something that would hurt me and just wouldn't let me hear it. Have you not listened to one of the episodes? <laughs> Are you kidding? I had to put up with them the first way through. Why would I do it again? <laughs> I do. I listened to them. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Shut up. <laughs> well, it's not just because I don't want to hear myself talk, but it, you know, just to make sure the product is good or whatever. I just listened to hear your half again. Oh. So sweet. (laughs) All right. Well, like we've been doing, I thought we would talk a little bit about, you know, I've been calling this creative corner, not a great, it's not a very creative title, but, uh, (laughs) irony. (laughs) I know, you know, every week we've been trying to discuss, you know, aspects of our process, you know, and we've been focusing on writing because that's what we do, but just, you know, to give a little bit of uh, insight into the way that people can get involved or advice potentially if they want to be involved, 
Uh, mm-hmm. I've actually already gotten some decent feedback from people that says that it's been helping. So I'm Ooh, that's good. What going. was it? I, I haven't gotten any feedback. What did you get? What did you hear? Uh, just some people saying that our talks of like how to you know process ideas, whether it be when GW was on, we were talking about refining ideas, or yeah. um, somebody had talked about our discussion with Mars about like adapting things. You know, I think a lot of people are very intimidated before they come and write for the wiki or for anything. In the grand scheme of things, writing for the wiki isn't that big a deal. But, you know, it it certainly seemed like that before we started doing it. I'm sure it did for me. Oh, yeah. Still does in a way. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That moment right before you post. Oh, God. (laughs) Is this shit? It's like, come on. I'm on on 111 pages now. At some point, it needs to stop being worrying. (laughs) It is. It's not as I would say it has gotten a lot more oh, tolerable. Yeah. Uh, like I just kind of put it up now. I don't check it every five minutes anymore, which is really nice. Uh, I just tend to check oh. it like a couple, you know, hours later. But uh, but sometimes you still see, oh, not not enough people. Come on, <laughs> I, I check the things I posted in twenty twenty every five minutes still. So. Oh well, I guess I technically do too because I have a list pages thing on my author <laughs> page, but I just. I don't. I can't really keep track. Sometimes I'll look at my point totals or whatever you have vote totals, and I'll be like, "Oh, I went up," but I'm not sure which ones because now there's so many, it's kind of hard to keep track. It's always really weird when somebody starts reading your stuff during the day, and then you you check you check your numbers, and somebody's given you 20 new votes, and you have no idea where they came from. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, we've both done things that are like series based, and when people actually read them as they're intended and give feedback along the way it's fucking incredible like i had somebody go through the whole series of hakantries not too long ago uh, and it was like oh, this is so nice it is it's great when you get feedback but when you get like serial feedback it's it's heavenly yeah yeah like oh you can i can chart the people's reaction to the storyline as it developed and they can actually you know they can look and see how i developed not just the characters but how the writing developed it's it's good stuff it is so, in terms of creative corner, yeah. um, I thought this is a fairly nebulous topic because it just, you know, came out of it out of nowhere. It's been kind of a weird week. But I thought we could talk about finding our voice. Yes. Because I think a lot of people, when they first come to start writing for the wiki or for any medium, you know, any genre, they feel fairly forced into um, matching their their ideas or their concepts or their their execution to the things that have come before. Yeah, and the best sign of someone kind of coming into their own in terms of writing or any creative activity would be that you know that quote unquote finding your voice. Which you know, I, if you're not in the creative business, it's, we're not getting paid. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> are we ever not getting paid? <laughs> yeah, um, that phrase. You know, if you if you're not aware, it's basically what is the kind of story that you're comfortable telling? How do you tell it, and and what is your like slice of genre? Now, it doesn't have to be one thing, but it, it it's you know there are lots of utility players out there that can do all sorts of things. You know, everyone's kind of got a tone and uh, or a variety of tones that they are the most comfortable with, and, and I thought we could talk about how. In my opinion, and this is from the outside, I'm sure you'll disagree, but when you came on, I feel like you had that already. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I did, because um, it had been years since I had written fiction. Like, you know, 15 years or something before I had 
previously tried to create stories before I started writing for the wiki. But, you know, from significant others on, uh, I, I feel like, you know, I mean, your storyline is developed, but I feel like you've, you've known what kind of stories you'd like to tell. Yeah. Um, for me, the question of finding voice was finding out whether I was allowed to use mine. Um, as opposed to figuring out what it was because uh, you do get that impression when you start out and you're brand new and maybe you haven't read enough of the weirder stuff on the wiki and you start thinking, I need to write exactly like everybody else. And the fact that the SCPs are written in clinical tone means that you are sort of funneled into writing that part of what you're writing like Mm -hmm. everybody else because that's the idea. It's a database. It's supposed to have a certain uniformity to it. Uh, But I gradually had to convince myself that I was allowed to write the kinds of stories and write the kinds of characters that I felt like writing because it doesn't always feel that way when you look at the wiki as a monolith. And not too long ago, actually, I looked at the original source of my first draft of my first SCP, and I see my characters in there. My first SCP, as it is on the wiki, hasn't got a lot of characters in it. It's got the main character who's being haunted by this monster, and it's got some mention of some doctors. But they haven't got a lot of personality. And I'm reading this original version. And and the two doctors are commenting on each other's work. And one of them calls the other one a complete fucking hack. And I'm like, that's funny because I had to cut that because I knew that people wouldn't put up with it from a brand new author. But this is exactly something I would write right now and post. And everybody would be fine with it. Because right. people people get used to the idea that an author can write a certain kind of way. They'll They'll get used to going... Oh, this is him. He writes this way. He's fine writing that way. I'll accept it. But some brand new person with no karma on their wiki.profile profile posting on the wiki with their first article who writes a bunch of doctors who are shitposting at each other, they're going to downvote the hell out of that because brand new people are sometimes not allowed to have voice by the first bunch of people who see their articles, which is depressing. I mean, you can like, trust the author long enough to read through the article and see if it's good. But I was even, I I wanted to put the anomaly classification system, ACS, the big colorful bars at the top of my first article, and I didn't because I was afraid, justifiably, that people would downvote it when they saw it because some people, we'll call them people, um, downvote just based on (laughs) tiny little theme things. And I was afraid to do that too. And I was afraid of all kinds of things because I was worried they wouldn't accept my writing and my tone the way I wanted to do it. And I had to earn the right to do that. And that's depressing but uh, over time i've been able to just insert my uh my ridiculous over-the-top often comedic and sarcastic crap in there and people have learned to tolerate it from me yeah i mean i i will clarify a bit for people that haven't tried to write for the wiki it's not so much that there is a rule no not uh, at all that that new authors can't do things that are outside of the box what Harry was referring to there is that like oftentimes if you're a name that no one recognizes a lot of readers and I'm not going to say it's a bad or a good thing will be a bit more skeptical yeah. um, and and I'm being very diplomatic by saying that um, and and have a tendency to you have a, to reject new people that are trying something strange or that don't quote unquote fit the format uh, whereas I genuinely think that the format is there as a limiting exercise which is good for creativity but the minute it starts hampering a story toss it the fuck out absolutely 
that's absolutely the case. And but, uh, yeah, the risk is genuine, and and you know it, people's reaction because there are lots of close-minded people that are uh, part of any audience. Uh, you always take a risk if you are being a bit more ambitious with your first thing, and so it is a common piece of advice for people to tell new writers, "Hey, you know, let's let's stay in your lane. You know, uh, be a little bit less ambitious. Get a few articles under your belt." Um, I completely ignored that advice. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I also didn't do anything that was too sarcastic. Although, like, I remember people complaining about, not complaining about, but kind of having feedback during the crit phase of my first article. And they were like, well, this gets, like, really cinemagraphic there at the end. It feels like a movie. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You're, yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going for. I'm like, oh. Yes. And, you know, and granted, I'm reading the tone into that, but, I, you know, it was there. The tone was there. Yeah. We don't um, want to give anybody the impression that you can't just do that. I mean, if you, you are able to execute something wacky and cool, do it. But it is a risk-reward thing, especially if no right. one's ever heard of you before and you're showing up and going, I, I, I'm all up in your website and I'm not paying attention to anything you people have done before. Right. Um, I had completely different formatting from what anybody was using because... Um, I, I had never bothered to look up any of the theme stuff, the CSS <laughs> and all that. So I, I was using tables with colored headers for sections, and, and nobody does that. That's, that's a thing I do. Although a few people have stolen it from me, stolen my, my limited uh, my exercise in not knowing what I was doing, <laughs> um, as though it was an aesthetic choice. <laughs> um, and I had footnotes from various um, doctors commenting on the page, and people are like, well, you can't do that. And it's like... Well, I did do that. Screw you. <laughs> um, yeah, and you but know it what? looked really different from everything else, and and that made people a few of the first people go, "What the hell is this?" And then once they realized I was never going to stop doing that, they just decided they might as well put up with it, which is where you need to get to when you <laughs> want to be weird. It's just make sure everybody knows they can't fix you. <laughs> I mean, that's an inherent part of being creative in a public space, though, is um, sticking it out. Uh, and continuing to show through your product, you know, through your stories or your music or whatever, that you have something to offer and that the things that at first, when you're a no one, when you have no name recognition uh, in this tiny pond that we swim in, you're not going to get as much leeway. Uh, so that's where the risk comes in. But the more articles you put out there, the more that people, you know, recognize, oh, I read this such and such by this person and that was pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm just going to go with this. Yeah. And, you know, I'm susceptible to it, too. If I see something that is... Actually, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't have any problem with anything that's risky. I have a problem with, like, the stuff that is so inherently the other direction. Like, it's so clearly a series one. It's got... If there's... If, like, you know, 10% of the page is blacked out, I'm... I'm Checked out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> this is... It didn't make sense back then. I know it was normal in Series 1, but it doesn't make sense back then. It sure as heck doesn't make sense now. Yeah, I'm pretty much... I'm famous as a soft touch on what people want to do. Like, if you if you want to write something and not get me to downvote it, the trick is it shouldn't be shit. Um, it shouldn't be so incredibly archaic that half the page is blacked out, and it shouldn't be... <laughs> um, shouldn't contain deeply offensive sensibilities that are, that, right. that are against um, human rights. <laughs> and there shouldn't be, like, billions of spelling mistakes. Other than that, I'm generally either going to go, eh, whatever, or upvote something, because 
I'm more interested in seeing how people want to express their opinions and their stories right. and, and everything yeah. than I am. And if I'm reading something I don't like, I don't go, I don't like this downvote. I go, I don't, I don't care about this. Goodbye. <laughs> and I'll just yeah, go read same. something else. <laughs> but yeah, that's, but same. that's not I mean, how everybody works. So. No, there, there's a bit of an edgelord aspect to writing on the wiki and probably writing on the internet anywhere um, where yeah. people are, you know, kind of shoot from the hip critics uh but that's okay that's a whole other conversation we've we've survived it so it's fine yeah um Uh, but it it is something you have to like you know factor in while you do this other thing that we're talking about which is finding your voice because you've got to survive in that tiny pond uh while it's going and not feel discouraged and the thing is is that you just got to keep pushing for it you know there are lots of people i know that start off writing you know maybe not so much impressive stuff that have stuck with it that are now writing things that I stop everything to read. I'm not going to mention who those are because I don't want to insult them that their early stuff was something I didn't like. But, you know, there are some people that show up right away and know how to write and there are other people that don't. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that so many people come to the site um, without a lot of experience writing, uh, which is cool because this means that we are constantly growing a new generation of, like, literate people uh, in the wiki. Yeah. Um, even if sometimes I complain that people don't like to read. (laughs) But um, the finding your voice thing means that you have to survive that process, meaning you have to, like, you know, flow with the, you know, is this a good idea for me to put this in or or not? Yeah, the the thing is that reading and writing is a trust exercise. You have to trust that the readers will pick up on what's cool and unique and what you're doing if you've executed it right, but they also need to trust that you know what you're doing so it isn't a terrible thing that people will look askance at you when you're brand new because you are there to prove to them like i can i can play ball with this i can fit something in here that will be interesting but you also do want to prove to them that you have something to add so it so when we say like don't write the craziest absolute thing for your first article go ahead and do that if you want to like write whatever the hell strikes you as your first thing as your first thing but you do have to understand that the first few people who look at it who have never even heard of you have to be convinced that you know what you're doing which means if you're going to write something crazy and off the wall you need to have all your i's dotted and all your t's crossed which i didn't my first article was in danger of deletion for several days. It was the, one of the lowest rated pages on the wiki. I almost never wrote anything again for the wiki. Oh my god. Because um, I didn't have all of my stuff figured out. I had people love talking about object classes. They didn't like my object class. I had an absolutely execrable picture. It was completely terrible um, as, as the main I picture. I still like it. it. It's charming. It's not good. It um, is. Um, and, and there were a few other things that I didn't do correctly and it's because of that that they were less willing to tolerate my other eccentricities so if you're gonna put yourself out there and do something crazy which if it's in you to do go ahead and do um, make sure that you know exactly what you're doing on the basics whereas if you're gonna do something that's still crazy and interesting but not quite as outre um, you might get a little more leeway so make sure if you're going to completely put yourself out there that you know what you're doing. Um, And if you don't know what you're doing, spend some time writing your first few things and learning what you're doing, and then save your really crazy ideas for when you know you can make them stick. Right. And there's no, there's no shortcut. um, Because you could learn by failing. And that's a good way to learn in lots of ways. But there's also a really good way to learn, which is absorbing the techniques of others. 
you know, if you're in a hurry to write your first thing and you've only read a couple of dozen series ones, put a pause on that mm-hmm. and read some more. Um, because, not series ones. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, we're not trying to bash on series one. I'm just trying to say that, like, you have to have your finger on the pulse. And series one was 14 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, series you know, one can series one can teach good series two writers, but we don't want those. <laughs> right. Series one does not teach you to write something deep and nuanced mostly right. I mean, now, one is a thousand you know, articles there you, <laughs> yeah and i mean i'm not i haven't read them all so no I'm not neither have I. They they're not all the same but, they're very different right. in fact yeah and you know uh, as a tangent uh, you know really knowing series one if you also get to know what the modern sensibilities of an expectations you know for a new writer would be uh, and you are able to rise to that occasion, but you're able to like mimic or or call uh, attention to like the earlier stuff in a subversive way. That can work really well. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that there's a lot of good modern articles that do that. Yeah, but, that's a that's a popular writing technique. That's a thing that Grant yeah. Morrison, as a as a comics writer, does constantly. Yeah. He knows all yeah. this old shit and he brings it back and respins it, and it works really well because it makes the world feel lived in, and it also you know gives a sense of of continuity to what you're doing, which is part of what having a creative writing pro- project with the community is is for. Right. Well, Grant Morrison is a mad genius. So. Yes, we're not all Grant Morrisons. <laughs> no, no. Only Grant Morrison. I don't even always understand reading his stuff. Uh, although I'm sure he doesn't deal. either. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I did want to talk about in terms of the finding your voice thing is I had, you know, I came to the wiki um, looking for Eldritch Horror. And that's what I started writing. Even though pretty quickly I abandoned that to start talking about like more of a dramatic, um, almost spy fiction type of thing. Yeah. Um, but it was always in a very serious event, and I remember for the first few months of our you know friendship, you know, I would look at the things that you read and I would complain to you, and I would be like, I don't, I don't know how to write funny. I can't do that. <laughs> um, and it was. You know, it was absolutely genuinely... convinced you could not be. You were like, yeah. No, I'm, oh, I'm not I was a hundred percent. I'm like, I can be funny in a conversation. Uh, I can be funny, yes, anding someone. I could be funny, you know, at a bar. I cannot be funny on the page. Uh, this is my favorite also... version of Green Eggs and Ham. I love it. <laughs> I cannot be funny in a bar. I can be funny in my car. I can't be funny like... on the stage because I'm 40 years of age. <laughs> That's right. Although there are a lot of 40-year-olds on stage. Um, it was I, I made that up extemporaneously. All right, I thought a lot, it was of, wh- a lot of a lot of white uh, dudes on stage doing stand up. <laughs> oh God, no! Um, yeah, I would never do that. But you know, I was so convinced, uh, utterly convinced. It wasn't just me talking negative about myself. No, I was convinced. I can't do that. I don't have the skills. I don't understand comedy. Um, and then it just and I don't know. I think it was reading more comedy. Um, I read a lot of David Wong's stuff, who, that was his pseudonym, and I forget his real name, which he's come out as, um, but he's the one that wrote, uh, John Dies at the End, mm. uh, and There Are Spiders in this book. Um, <laughs> he's very funny. Uh, and I started reading much more of the comedy stuff on the wiki, including your stuff, your stuff, uh, which I, you know, uh, very much did find, um, inspiring, like, even though I, and my comedy is nothing like yours, um, I don't do witty. I, I don't think I have it in me. Uh, it's not even what I want to write. I mean, I do a little bit. Lucretia can be witty. But 
Um, but that's a very fish out of water kind of wittiness that I like. Um, but I started to like read, you know, more of a famine pulses stuff, which is not yeah. intended to be funny, but is so absurd and strange oh, that yeah. I started to realize what if I started trying to do this, but like not scary. <laughs> yes, that's famine pulse. Famine pulses is, is the uh, it's the David Lynch kind of funny where it's just yeah. this is so off that it's funny. Right. <laughs> And, like, you know, I found that voice. Um, I can still write serious stuff and character-based stuff, which I think is my strength. But uh, I was able to figure out how to write absurdity. And that's the kind of comedy I think I'm, I'm good at. Uh, is what They said, what? Yeah, <laughs> What exactly. happened just now on the page? Um, instead of the cleverness of the uh, dialogue, it's more of a... <laughs> the, the fucking guy on the videotape said, what now? <laughs> um... Or just bizarre, you know, uh, ludicrous, like, social commentary and, and whatnot. Um, with a bit of rage tucked into the breast of a joke uh, at all times. <laughs> yes, you stick a couple of jokes in your existing stuff, usually from a designated character who's allowed to be funny. But when you write funny, you go right in with the absurd stuff. Um, and, yeah. and whereas I have this thing where if I get too bored with myself, I just insert my character's joking at each other <laughs> so I, I basically am incapable of being completely serious for any long stretch of time even if completely serious is what i'm supposed to be doing no but i like that um i you know i i've learned from that especially with the clef and vara stuff yeah um that like it's mostly a serious uh series mm, alliteration um series but <laughs> but you know it as as frequently as possible often in the beginning uh, and towards the middle, there will be at least one moment where the two of them are exchanging something that is just, it's just funny. It's just meant to be funny. Um, yep. Yep. That's one does of those things. You can just completely work. subvert a rule of writing. The rule where everything has to be right. contributing to the overall structure of the plot, which is true unless it's funny. You're allowed to subvert that to right. briefly be funny. Because that's right. Yeah, if something is a distraction from the narrative, uh, it's a bad thing unless it's funny. I think exactly. Because <laughs> if it's yeah. funny, it's keeping them from getting distracted from the narrative. It's keeping them on right. board. Yeah, because no one is not engaged with a little bit of funny. As long as it actually is funny. Which <laughs> as is, long as you know, it actually I, is funny. Which I realize, you know, and, and oftentimes I write stuff that I just think is funny. Um, <laughs> and I don't think I'm that funny in an, in an original way when it comes to anything except for in certain modes of writing. Uh, mm. And like, and really, it's just me copying some other people's styles or whatnot. But like the stuff that you know, I reread um, Amnestic recently, which was the first Vikander Need article. Yes, uh, and you know, uh, Disadron, who was my co-author, wrote a couple of the section in there. But I wrote like two thirds of it, uh, and I read my sections of it. I, some of them just I I didn't like laugh out loud like a maniac, but like I was like this is shit. like I'm chuckling at the shit I read because. Because it's just bizarre. Where did I even come up with this? And you, you were talking to me that day. I just kept coming back with snippets. Okay, what about this? <laughs> yes, and that was that was what I think. That's what cracked it was that idea of just like I can put just completely Anything. insane snippets of weirdness in this, and I can just put an SCP <laughs> frame on it and make people read it, and it works. Yeah, and that's all my is. It's why it's so funny to me. Like today, I was talking to someone about. Uh, Vikander need on one of the discord channels and they were like well like you know i realize you're pretty hesitant to talk about like their overall goals but like do they have any and i just like spoilered the comment that was no comment 
<laughs> which was I felt like very in in tone because I don't care like I do have in my you know heart of hearts uh, some actual answers about what the purposes of Vikander Need are and what they're doing um, but I don't think I'll ever share that with anybody <laughs> yeah. because that's not my point that's just something I thought about um, the point has always been what could I get away with and what can I not get away with? And and it's never about being offensive. I don't feel like I've ever touched on anything super sensitive except for very clearly being on the side of the sensitive, you know, like uh, yeah. I feel like the ones that were touching sensitive stuff were like very progressive ally, I hope, um, articles. Um, and instead just being like, how uncomfortable can I make someone be without being an edgelord? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I have someone giving an, a human resources orientation on a VHS invade the viewer's home while they're sleeping and then pee in their plant? <laughs> <laughs> Which I did to one of your characters. To, yeah, uh, <laughs> to my, my designated uh, character to have people pee in his plant, essentially. Yeah, well, I love Weddle. Um, yeah. Go read On Guard 43, people. Yeah, here's our topic for next week then: making characters. Because then I'll explain why I oh, have designated good, characters yeah. for designated purposes. Yeah, but the point is, I felt like I had to suffer through that that insecurity uh, to some extent uh, about not being able to write comedy until you know an idea came to me. Um, I, I started experimenting with it a little bit with the resurrection stuff in uh, 2020 for the Renaissance Canon contest, but. It wasn't until I wrote the satellite <laughs> that I feel like I went directly into it, and it was for <laughs> there was a contest last fe- twenty it was last February right, uh, twenty twenty one for Valentine's Day called the Cupid Contest, and it was supposed to be a story about romance of some sort or another, and I wrote a story about a satellite that was alive, um, becoming obsessed with a televangelist and stalking him. <laughs> Yep, that was that was your your coming out party that one where you just yeah like, and yeah crazy and funny. and people were like really I think that's why it did well is like people were like wait Gregory doesn't write stuff like this and I'm like I haven't yet but I do now apparently deal with it yeah and so I always think it's very funny that like I have I have such two very different modes that people know me for one or the other like yeah. they know me for the very serious lore stuff like whether it's sarcasm or my series. Uh, or the Vanguard stuff from 6500, um, or Vikander need ridiculousness, uh, or a cup that Completely makes pulls you apart. like, yeah, exactly. Uh, which I think is pretty funny because people will be like, "Oh, I thought you just did the media stuff." I'm like, "Oh, well, actually, I write this very serious stuff about magic and horror." Actually, there are two kinds uh, of Grigori Carpen. It, it's it is kind of just those two things, though. But I wish yeah, I had whatever. two. I wish I had two modes. I would say the closest thing I have is that I have long and very long. ladies Uh, oh no and I'm not cutting that out no I wouldn't (laughs) expect you to it was almost an advertisement wasn't it Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. that's how that's how it works yeah yeah (laughs) he's on the market uh anyway (sighs) let's uh let's talk about our subject today which is the Davites the Davites yeah, so it's it's the day of the Davites. We would have done it earlier, but we were saving it for a rainy Davite. Are you just gonna go through these all right now? No, just gonna burn them all. No, no, I'm. You have I'm more. Spacing them out. <laughs> 
Well, I guess it's a pretty easy one for, for the pun work. Um, yeah, it's pretty easy. So, you know, I, I don't want to assume, but how, what was your first, like, exposure to the Davites? Was it 140? It was 140 after yeah. 139 and 138 and 137, oh. because when I started on the wiki, um, I started right. again on the wiki, I started reading from 001, read all the old 001s, then moved to 002 and so on and forward until I reached about... Oh, I don't know, maybe 200 and something before I just got so goddamn bored. I started reading more recent things. Um, uh, but you but, yeah. made it further than me. But I, yeah, I, what, I, I, I made it like 30. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some really bad stretches, especially immediately after 100. You just like the first two or three after that, it's like, oh my god, shut up. And then after the old man, it's back. To, oh my god, 107, 108. It's like, shut up. <laughs> but 106, 106 is genuine. Well, 106, great. 106, the old man is just a great one. I know um, it's a tropey article. I know it's crazy famous, and everybody offside is, oh, it's the creepy guy that goes to. Yeah, yep, yeah, yes, but yeah, it's, it's a good article. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, um, but, the, but yeah, I got to 140 when I got to 140, and uh, it was one of the ones that I read where I went, this one's special. This is cool. Yeah, that must have been a real... You know, it must have been a real shock to the people at the time, because it was written, I think, in April of 2010. So the wiki had only been around for like a year and a half or something. Yeah. Um, I bet you, you know, I don't know, because I wasn't there, uh, I bet you this made like waves, because... You know, if you look at some of the other early articles and then you read 140, which is a chronicle of the Deva, um, is it's just like, what the? This is this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I imagine they he wrote that article and it just rewrote the history of the whole website. <laughs> God. That's what I'm here for, man. <laughs> just the puns. Just the puns. Uh, that wasn't a pun. That was that was just kind of was. It was, it was clever. You're right, you're right, it was. Jeez. Jesus Christ. I'm not sure, because my coming to the wiki was such a, uh, a different from the normal mode. Like, I didn't come from TV tropes. I didn't come, I got, I came because someone recommended metaphysician stuff to me, which is why. That is a, a good way to show up, yeah. Yeah, no, I, you know, and, and so I read all his stuff and then, and then started to kind of peek around. So there's stuff that I'm still filling in the blanks on. Uh, like, you know, for example, for last week's episode, for the Church of the Broken God, I hadn't read, like, most of that stuff before. Yeah, me either. You know, same thing with the GOC. Um, yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, there are other subjects that we've covered that I did obviously love. but um, I'm looking forward to the week where I've already done all my homework. I'm not sure which one that'll be. but <laughs> this, That was this. Uh, well. Well, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the third moon. The Three Moon Triple Initiative. Yeah, that's right. That was, uh, I always say third. I'm so that was, yeah, the was that my first initiative. episode? No. Your first episode was GOC. Okay, I was going to say, uh, I'm talking, I can't wait till the episode where I've already done all my homework. Meanwhile, it was my first one or whatever. I mean, you know, I have no it, functioning memory whatsoever. Yeah, who cares? It, it's not important for writing. This is why I write <laughs> things down. I write things down so that it, I don't have to remember them. That's I the need way to get all my in, stories out before my brain's That's gone. the way it works. That's the secret to like <laughs> actual like intellectual professionals uh, is that we all have learned so much that our memory is like faulty. And so we have to constantly take notes for everything. Right. So uh, uh, you all think we're putting stories there for you guys to read them, but it's actually so that they don't just perish. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's Publish or perish. true and very different. What the hell um, were we talking about? But, 140. 140. Um, so SCP 140 uh, is by if you don't know Assertive Roland, uh, yeah, 
who has only written four things, one of which is a tale connected to SCP-140, which is also very good. It's called A Visitation, which I also mm-hmm. really recommend. It's wonderful. Um, and SCP-140 is about a book, uh, and it is the uh, sort of prototypical magic book. And then, But the minute you start reading about what this book is, all the tropes are out the window. I genuinely don't know if I've ever read anything before or since that used a book in this way yeah i I genuinely like it it wasn't like he took like an old trope and gave it new life like it's really original it's quite Um, original it's a good trope it's a good new trope (laughs) yeah um you know and i I was just talking to him recently thank you guari who introduced us um and he told me that and which is something i really relate to is that at the time a lot of the articles that were coming out were so based in actual science or just horror um that he was like well why isn't there more like you know humanity stuff like history and sociology and stuff like that and it's so clear now reading 140 that he had interest in like like when we were talking i told him i had studied anthropology in uh, an undergrad is oh yeah okay i see why you appreciate this <laughs> yeah there's professors because, in this story i mean so yeah and i think it also was the first thing i read i'm pretty sure yeah, no it was the star i read this i read the sarkic stuff and it referenced the deva of course so, yeah. yeah but you know so i had some concept of what who the deva was before i read the 140 but so it's a book uh, that if it comes into contact with any fluid suitable for writing, <laughs> including human blood, the account of the Davite civilization's history expands. So it's a history book, but it's written much more like a biography. Um, and yeah, we haven't actually named it. It's called A Chronicle of the Davis. No, no, you didn't. I said it early. No, you didn't. <laughs> I did. We'll Check go back tape. to the tapes and they'll, they'll <laughs> confirm. I, you know, and if they I confirm that I'm it. wrong, I will just assume that yeah, you did. You're that. not going to listen to it. Doesn't matter. That's true. Um, we established that it's canonical <laughs> that I don't listen to these. Um, yes, it's a history of the Davite civilization, right? Uh, and it's told from very like uh, very dramatic and personal sort of perspectives. It's not like a dry um, academic work, but the thing is, is that it actually expands every time that this liquid comes near it. Um, and including human blood, they say. And then the next paragraph literally says, or the next sentence, human blood appears to be the most potent, in quotation marks, of possible writing substances. But in any case, the amount of new material does not correspond proportionately to the fluids introduced. So I don't really know what more potent means in that situation. Yeah. Um, but what this means is the book is constantly expanding anytime it's being exposed to liquid you could write with. So, you know, not just ink, but if you think about all the different ways that you could write a message in. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know... We'll just not interrogate that at all, because I imagine oh. this book is very unsanitary. Yeah. And it probably smells. Yeah, it probably um, smells. Although, it doesn't actually say that it's written in the blood. To no, and, and also there are multiple copies of this book. Right. Quite a few yeah. copies of this book. So they're obviously yeah, like not all. Or something. Yeah, yeah, I think they all correspond to whatever you write in the one. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting because this book is constantly changing if it gets exposed to liquid. But that's not really the intriguing thing. The intriguing thing is reality is changed because of how this book is expanded. So yes. the Davites were a people from like 10,000 B.C., until at least originally they had been vanquished somewhere around i I can't remember i think it was like 500 bce or something like that um and then each time that the book has been expanded at least the one that is in the foundations 
containment, uh, from the perspective of this article, history has been changed such that it allows for those people to recover from whatever their horrible event was, you know, whether it was a catastrophic loss or some sort of drought or famine or whatever. And what's interesting and very clearly explained, and then was also confirmed when I talked to sort of Roland, was that people's memories are not changed. Um, so it's not rewriting all of reality. It's just making these things retroactively part of history without necessarily changing the way people understood it to be before. So you could remember the last time you looked at the book that the Davites had ended at a certain date. And then once it's expanded, how things are changed in the real world is now there's evidence of those changes out yes. there. History has changed to reflect the expansion of the book. Memories are not, like I just said, but it is supported by literal archaeological evidence, despite the fact that they wouldn't have been there before, meaning that there, if there were digs that were already existent, uh, in a certain place, and they have certain examples in the article. Now, once the book has been expanded, you might find evidence that wasn't there a week ago, yeah. uh, that the Davite had lived past where we thought they were, or were in a different area than they were before, or whatever. Yes. Um, so when the book was originally discovered that Davite culture had died out, uh, and then each time they're expanded, the history has been extended further. So it seems to be like a second chance each time. Like, what used to be the wiping out of that culture now has become a thing where, okay, this was a serious defeat, but then they retreated and regrouped and, uh, you know, were able to start a new capital somewhere else or whatever. Yeah, I think a, a, a way to look at it is to think of it in terms of those slasher movie franchises like Friday the 13th mm -hmm. or Halloween mm -hmm. or um, Nightmare on Elm Street where yeah. how come each one of these ends with a conclusive defeat of the bad guy and then the next movie has to go... Um, um, that didn't actually happen like that. He's actually still out there. And that's kind of how the Deva work. Each time there's a sequel, it's like, guess what? They made it out of the burning building, which was their civilization. <laughs> right. Um, and the horror is that this comes from, you know, uh, it, it doesn't clearly state that there's a compulsion to it, but it does talk about it. the person that owned the book when the foundation found it was a history professor who was found with all these horrible slash wounds on his wrists because he was looking to expand the book. So he was feeding blood to the book and he leaves a note effectively a suicide note. Although I don't think he meant to kill himself um, saying, I'm sorry. I had to know. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and Roland, when I was talking to him was like, well, there isn't specific compulsion. It's just people being like genuinely curious about this mystery. And it's like, that's, that's still pretty messed up though. <laughs> You'd have to be um, pretty damn curious. And then that's all before you even look at the details of what the Deva civilization is, <laughs> which is its own sort of like colonialist uh, horror story. Um, but the changes include new, more recent accounts of information chronicling the continued history of the Devi civilization or descriptions of new individuals and artifacts. Formerly decisive defeats become setbacks, like I said, but the newer persons and events are inserted meaning that history is actually being changed not just from the end point, but like throughout, retroactively. Foundation archaeologists have discovered corresponding new artifacts and traces of daylight civilization in applicable locations and strata. But what's yeah. interesting is that the book includes lurid descriptions of sacrificial rites, battlefield descriptions, daily life, and the life stories of various noteworthy individuals, including quotes and dates of birth. Um, it's not looking so much at the like 
larger societal like upheavals and like uh it's looking at it's like a very personal history and part of that is because the history is presented in such a way as the culture is stagnant's not the right word because they seem very vibrant but uh it doesn't ever seem to change like it's been around you know for almost ten thousand years and yet it's always the same at least the way that the book presents it yes and and later authors will make a lot of hay out of that as we'll see and like you know to some extent even a sort of roland is making a lot of hay out of that because it's very clear that the book has not been in publication since the deva uh the book is you know it's implied maybe since you know in the 20th century some point um and it it was it's been published uh seemingly funded by a person who is designated scp-140-a uh who is not specific about in terms of gender but and no details are given about them but it's a person who seems to be referred to in the book yeah. Uh, does that mean he wrote the book? The article is of the opinion that no, this person is not the person who wrote the book. They, uh, the foundation, they are looking for the author as an, a separate thing. So there's they're looking for this dash A, who's the person who's out there spreading the book around. But then they're also looking for the author. So if this person is not the one that wrote it, well, who the heck is it? <laughs> Is this a survivor? Just somebody who just was a devotee of the deva? Like, it's genuinely unclear. And it's added to the fact that there's, like, all this mystery to it. You know, and I think in a lot of ways, it was an early attempt to, like, talk some about some fairly deep stuff on the wiki. Because it is it is talking about that personal bias in history um, yeah. from the perspectives of, like, the people who write them. And yeah. the people that, like... Um, go about not just write them but like pub like the people that publish books have a hand in shaping what history actually is absolutely and you know it doesn't i think that aspect of it gets probably lost in the fact that it's a book that gets fed by blood Um, (laughs) because you could also use maple syrup (laughs) you don't need to use blood. it's there because the article (laughs) is supposed to be a little spooky um and it is uh and the davites themselves are this you know, civilization that owned slaves and were these horrible colonials and, like, they did blood magic and, you know, a lot of stuff has fleshed out over the years since. Um, but I think the real horror in a lot of ways is the, like, shaping of history. Uh, and in this case, it just happens to be literal, but, it, you know, that's what a good metaphor does. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk about that in a few of the other articles as they yeah. um, dig into it better. But there's a few things I want to just quickly say about 140, yes. if, if you'll allow me. Um, there's the two things that I like the most about it. Um, the one thing is the retroactive changing of history, because I think mm. probably one of my absolute favorite things in any media franchise ever is a thing that happens in The Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind, in the ancient background of the story, where a couple of fairly normal people find a dead god's heart and profanely manipulate the dead god's heart to make them into gods. But because of the nature of godhead in their universe and the nature of the tools and the nature of the heart, they become always were gods. Oh, right. Yeah. Reality is altered so that they always had been gods. And it, it just generates this whole panoply of fucking weird effects. And I love that. I love the, the concept of retro-causality. So seeing it come up in here is just like, that's so cool. It's, it's, it's not just changing what happened. It's changing what happened so that that was always what happened. And that's, right. that's, that's the power of fiction. That's a kind of thing that we have no experience of in the real world, except for in the sense that you can 
change a narrative of history and make everybody believe that that's what happened, which is kind of what's going on here as well. Um, and 6140 talks about that a lot more. But the other thing is on a much more superficial level that I still love. Everybody knows the scary concept of the thing that's coming and is getting closer. The thing you see in the rearview mirror and it's closing. Right. The T-Rex in Jurassic Park objects in the rearview mirror may um, be closer than they appear. The thing that's coming and it's coming is going to get you. The uh, Yule Man is coming to your house or whatever the hell. Um, or as Tim and Eric put it, Winter Man is coming at you through the forest to your house. Um, but this is completely a wacky-ass version of that because it's the Davites are coming towards us from the past because the more the book gets written, the closer they get chronologically to still being here. And that's yeah, because so cool. <laughs> it is incredible. And that's like the real, uh, really effective fridge horror aspect of it. Yeah. That by the end of the article, you're like, wait, how much has their history been expanded? And they just throw in like the time and, and Roland throws in this one word sentence or one word, very brief sentence um, that states that as of last recording, the book has uh, the decisive defeat of the Devas being at, in the early uh, aspects of the career of Genghis Khan. So that's way into CE because <laughs> Genghis yeah. Khan was way later than 2500 BC or they're, whatever it was. They're the coming. Yeah, and if so they're already drop not it into far an ink away. Factory, they're all <laughs> right, <gonna be> here. <laughs> right, and so yeah, uh, the fu- I, I think you're right. I think that one of the funnest things about, other than the interesting intellectual, like uh, the aspects of history and, and the creepy uh, society that existed on blood or whatever, yes. um, is this thing that's creeping, you know, uh, a slouching thing out of Bethlehem or whatever. Uh, only it's only it's coming. I completely paraphrased that poorly. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm fighting. I'm fighting myself. I could. I could. I can quote that one for heart. But Go you ahead. mean? You mean? No, I, I meant I could do the whole poem. Don't <laughs> but do that. Don't yeah, do I'm that. not going to do that. We're not doing poetry hour with Harry Blank. No. But you are speaking, of course, of what rough beast its hour come round at last slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. Exactly. The Second um, Coming by William Butler Yeats. My favorite <laughs> poem, as we will all see when I release my 001 proposal. It's a very good poem. But this thing that's like the crawling chaos in this situation is is crawling towards us from the past. And that is, yes. like you said, you know, pretty unique. It's a different take on that. And that's yet again another aspect of this that is like very original. But the thing that I find really interesting about that is that they are constantly being pushed forward because of like the arrogant need to know yes because if there is no compulsion as roland told me himself there is no compulsion to add to this book it's just literally people's curiosity so there's no part of this anomaly that forces people to do it it's not one of those things that makes you crazy it's not one of those things that like controls your body or like there's no god or entity in the book no the only thing that happens to it is if if it gets exposed it retro casually retro casually changes history yep and so every time it gets added to it's like well who 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 did it why what come on yeah come on man <laughs> who fed uh, the blood book again <laughs> um but then you know the article is fairly vague on who the dave are it kind of adds in some some interesting implications uh, about how they are but over the years there's been sort of this general picture painted and it's 
incredibly variable, and luckily it's one of the things where there is no canon, makes perfect sense because the first thing that was written about them was something that changes history. And so if one story talks about the Deva, for example, later on we're going to talk about several of the things that talk about the Deva worshipping the Scarlet King, a thing that's on on the wiki, and other ones that are like, no, 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 that has nothing to do with them. Uh, and that makes perfect sense because, well, maybe when one of the times the book was expanded and maybe a different copy of it was expanded in a different way compared right. to this copy, you know, are there competing timelines and they're all mushing into our world? Uh, it's just fascinating stuff. But it was, you know, kind of expanded mm-hmm. uh, IRL uh, by many different authors because Sir Roland, like I said, only wrote four things, um, two of which are related to the Deva. And it kind of caught fire uh, slowly but surely. There aren't like dozens and dozens of articles. There are many articles that are tagged with Davite, the tag, but most of them, uh, and spoiler for later, most of them are unsatisfying if you want to learn about the Deva because they use the Deva as like a historical like earmark, essentially. They're just saying, hey, uh, these people existed a long time right. ago. Look, the Deva were there too. And then the, and then the article gets tagged Davite right. and then you're yes. left wondering, well, I don't understand. What does that to do with Dave? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the da- the, the Davite are the equivalent of bumping into Ernest Hemingway so that we remember yes, what time period exactly. the time travel story is. But there are some dedicated Davite articles, uh, all of all of which, I mean, I very few of, of any of the ones that actually have to do with Davites have not been spectacular, in my opinion. Um and I don't know why that is, but it it, yep. it never has caught on. There aren't like 50 articles that are all about the Deva. There may be a couple dozen. And through those articles, in different ways, they've been expanded to be this colonial empire that's spreading out from central Siberia. They're originally a uh, loose confederation of, of city-states, but they very quickly become this sort of stratified empire that is led by matriarchs, not monarchs, but women of power both politically and religiously. And yet they're also like colonialists. They are uh, enslaving, conquering, uh-huh. you know, fairly horrible people. They uh, love sacrificing people. They uh, do a lot of weird blood magic. And interestingly enough, they also like agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> that's, this is, and this isn't the only time in the, in the wiki that that just gets thrown out there. Likes all of these horrible things. And also, farm. also they had a real green thumb. <laughs> so you know not all bad <laughs> um except for when you see what they were farming right. um oh yeah some of them aren't aren't that weird um they range from creepy to horrifying really. uh, yeah yeah are you about to tell me that the heads aren't creepy okay go on the heads are <laughs> uh the one that tells people's like history though i don't know if that's creepy exactly yeah uh, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, As why usual. do we care? Getting you know, ahead it, it, of ourselves. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> why do we care about the Deva? Why yeah. I know why I care because I think that 140 is like a huge inspiration. I mean, along yeah. with you know the sarcasm, uh, Davites have always been like a significant. Like I mentioned 140 in my first article, uh, and people were like, "Oh, are you sure you want to mention a famous article in your first article?" Yes, I am. <laughs> that's one of those yes, things I where pe- sure. people know that you're supposed to say a thing but they don't know that there's a context to it you're supposed to say that if your article is about your cool monster fighting 682 you're not supposed to say that <laughs> if 140 is actually relevant to the plot which it is <laughs> yes um you sure you want to mention think, that thing that's key 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like this really important context for the early stages of that article. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I um, do want to do that because otherwise I have to invent it from scratch and that defeats the purpose of writing on this website. <laughs> I mean, the rest of that article is me just completely creating something from scratch. Yes, it is. Um, which is the other good Which reason. was so funny, so funny that like I use the Davite in the same way that I find slightly annoying. That other people use it without I use it as historical context. Yes. Although I always had intended to bring them and make them part of the series, which I did, um, but it did take a few articles. Yes. Um, and so the impact of the Deva is like throughout the, the fictional history of the wiki, not like the development of the wiki itself, but you know, it was the Deva that the Sarkics were fighting their rebellion against. So the reason that there is Sarkicism. Uh, according to the lore, is that they were rebelling against the Davide Empire. Yep. It was the Deva that created some of the earliest, like, you know, I, in, the, in the outline I'm saying human-made because there are lots of weird elder gods or, you know, things that are unexplainable. But the Deva are the first, like, society uh, in the Foundations universe, uh, at least as far as we know, uh, that was, like, creating things that were anomalous. Yes. Uh, and lots of those things still exist. And so they will continue to show up to the present day, which is why the Foundation gives a shit. Um, and also, you know, the ever-changing history of the Deva, as we've already discussed because of SCP-140, uh, allows for, like, all sorts of different interesting variations that all fit. It doesn't have to be, like, a multiverse story. No, it could all be in the same universe because of the way that that book works. Yeah, you just imagine every time they find a new Deva thing, they go, oh, for Christ's sake, this isn't even going to make oh. sense, is it? Yeah, I know the the the, the grander file of the Davite project at the foundation is just like mm, we don't. Yeah. We say we're researching it, but uh, we're just we're just collating weird shit that makes no sense. Yeah, they start a new article and they're like, "Should we pull the Dava file?" And the lead researcher's like, "Do you have the vague gist of how they work?" And they're like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Well, then the the file's not gonna fucking help. This will be its own thing. <laughs> yeah. As long as you know who they are, we'll just keep going. Don't worry about it." Yeah, and I mean, it's fun because the original article didn't deal with them being matriarchs. That got added later on, and I'm actually not sure which was the first one that brought that up. But it is this interesting, it might have been 392, but um, it's this interesting aspect that's like just juxtaposed against the fact that they are this matriarchal society that many people want to would want to assume would not be as horrible as our traditionally patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. But in reality, they're still like, you know, uh, stratified society about oppressing other people, and there is kind of this interesting, there's you know some interesting commentary there. I think absolutely, um, and also the fact that there is something about you know there's never not been, uh, and I think every series there's at least one, if not more than one, famous article uh, that is really. In, impactful on the wiki that has to do with the deva that didn't just use it as a, uh, a reference but instead was you know this really key part of it. you know like one of the best articles submitted for 6000 you've already mentioned a 6140 uh, is you know all about the deva and subverting expectations in fact they are often quite easy to spot from a distance because they have numbers like right. 2140 3140 <clears throat> 4140 right uh, which is fun because it's always different. It has all, almost always. Most people have not written more than one article about the Davites, which is interesting. Yeah, it's like a um, it's like a group roundabout thing. And you know, like like I said, you know, there's things that matter. You know, uh, until this day, you know, 14 years later, well, 12 years later, because it was in 2010. Yeah. Um, 
that are still people are still writing about this you know myself included who has made them a central part of my series and also recently wrote you know for the first time somebody wrote a daylight hub which was me Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) which is weird that it didn't happen before then but you know um i'm sure a lot of people experience the same thing that i experienced and then just said fuck it i'll do it anyway which was do i have the right to do this like i'm just some guy who came to the wiki you know years after this became a thing yes well we added gregory carpin to the wiki and uh it sucked him in and it output a hub it retroactively made it so that there was a daylight hub (laughs) i'm gonna ride this metaphor for the next hour guaranteed yeah i'm I'm not gonna let it go all right, well, let's talk about some of these articles. Yeah, let's do uh, that. All right. Uh, so, SCP-392, yeah. which is the heads, which you mentioned before. <laughs> That's not what it's called. <laughs> no, I love the title, though. The title is, A Plant Now Found in Site-103 and Formerly in the Households of Nobility. It's a good It's a good title. It's cute. It rhymes. A Plant Now Found in Site-103 and Formerly in the Households of Nobility. It is. It does rhyme. It's nice. It's really good. And it also is just like very evocative, but it doesn't have like a creepypasta title, (laughs) even though it, you know, is kind of a creepypasta idea, even though the execution is really great. And this is yet yet another series one that is like when this, you know, was first dropped, you can't read the original right now on the wiki. You'd have to go back uh, to an earlier rendition because it was rewritten in 2016 by Mr. Wrong, who was the same guy who wrote the first one, um, I believe. But uh, oh, I don't actually know. I, you know what? I'm going to hold pause. I don't know if that's true. Are we but we're still talking he, about 392? Right. Crom uh, says it's straight Mr. Wrong, and he would have extra attribution. Okay, at, great. Attribution data if it was anybody else. So. Yeah, so I was basing this off of his author post. Uh, but, you know, I could, that was kind of an interpretation. But Which is interesting, because the original one had much more of a story, a narrative. And then this newer one is... Interestingly, it feels more like a series one than what I hear was the original one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so what is this anomaly? So it's a peach tree, but this peach tree has been altered through anomalous means, magic, who knows, uh, such that each of the fruit resembles an identical human male head. (laughs) It even shows tattoos. This is how they realize that it's connected to the daylights, the foundation anyway, because the tattoos that are seen on the heads indicate the individual was a concubine or a slave to a daylight matriarch and it was believed it was some sort of beloved slave you know because this was her way of immortalizing this man um what's really creepy i mean there's so many aspects of that are creepy what's really creepy is that the heads are kind of alive they're not peaches (laughs) um and they exhibit neurological and reflex responses. And the article even has like a collapsible menu of uh, just examples of the types of neurological responses this disembodied human head that grows on a peach tree. <laughs> and I find them very distressing. <laughs> they are. I'm not even going to list them off, but they're, they're, really they're good body horror. Like, they're ew, really ew, good body horror. They're really subtle. <laughs> the last thing on the yeah. table, it's like, ew, get away from that thing. <laughs> um. And it was found. Uh, let's see. It was found. Well, anyway, I don't. I didn't write that down. But apparently, <laughs> uh, <laughs> during the Warring States period, uh, which is a Chinese history era, which is four seventy three, four seventy five BCE to two twenty one BCE. I don't know if those numbers are exactly accurate. I know that the ending point is accurate because that's when the Qin Empire uh, started. 
which is the first emperor. But uh, SCP-392 would be cultivated by the soldiers, who harv- the Chinese soldiers, who harvested and skinned the heads. And the skulls would then be passed off as ex- executed enemy combatants and presented to <laughs> officials in exchange for promotion and other rewards. I love that. For example, peerage, titles, lands, and slaves. That's what a great. The- that is great. <laughs> Just... Just what the fuck? That's one of those senses <laughs> where you're writing your main thing, and then this other idea occurs to you, and you're like, "This is this is the gravy right here. I'm sticking this in. This is fun." It's like Mr. Wrong was sitting there thinking about like, "Okay, this is such a creepy story. Okay, I'm writing this story about the heads, and they grow in a peach tree, and oh, society. This society is very strange. And look at how little they value human life. That they, you know, uh, want to recreate this person's life through a head, a disembodied head growing on a plant." Uh, well, what would they do with the heads? Yes. Ugh, yes. I know. <laughs> Here's a fun story. It's just like the tiny little paragraph, and it's just like, wow, you could write a, you could write a whole thing about that. <laughs> um, but it's uh, really, you know, I think it's really iconic uh, in terms of, you know, the thing that the Davites do. They, they almost always are connected with one of three things, which is retrocausality. Uh, some sort of blood sacrifice creepiness uh, or agriculture <laughs> yeah especially especially like horticulture especially growing growing like flowers and trees and shit they're just really into that for some reason right yeah um and i recently re- referenced it in a recent tale which was a parawatch tale called in the carpathians yeah, it's and very I, uh, thank you and i made a really fun very proud of image of one of these heads. <laughs> yeah, that's a good recent article in the Carpathians by Grigory Carpin and Pentagon. Yeah, that's about it. Okay, so SCP-214. Actually, you want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Where are we... Where were we? Oh, yeah, that's right. SCP-2140 Retro Converter, which, by Sir Pudding, which does a complete 180 from the stuff we've already been talking about in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it starts off as described as a foundation-developed anomaly that's an image that when you look at it, 100% of the people that look at it, uh, their entire history is rewritten, such that they retroactively become loyal foundation personnel with a clearance level of two or higher specific to this anomaly so it doesn't matter who the person is they could be a civilian they could be a traitor they could be you know an enemy combatant if they look at this image all of a sudden history has changed such that they were always part of the foundation which is pretty scary in a lot of ways yeah, so it's a very, very effective um, motivational poster of a cat with a foundation logo right. on it. Uh, that instantly converts everyone. They're like, I like that cat, so I'm in. <laughs> so SCP-3140. Not... <laughs> I'm sorry, that's all we need to talk about. So yeah. the anomaly is, it's... in a way, it's not quite explicit in the way that it's connected to the Davids. But it is actually, once you've dug into it, derived from a Davite anomaly. Um, the connection to the Davites is sort of tenuous, uh, but it is pretty clear once you read the entire article and kind of examine it. Um, 
because they find alternate versions of this image at a dig site. And it's later discovered that the people that were studying it were a covert cell within within the foundation dedicated to the recreation of Redacted and were killed resisting capture. (laughs) And a quote from it is, ultimately, MTF uh, N10 suffered three casualties as a result of SCP-2140-1D exposure. That's the alternate image. Agent Swanson was presumably exposed first and then deliberately affected Agents Kim and Okoro. Subsequently, these three agents were discovered to have represented another deep cell, despite originating despite originating on these three separate continents and knowing each other for less than a year, and were killed attempting to access SCP-140. So, you have to kind of read into it uh, that this seeing this alternate image made these people, you know, a all of the same mind, even though they barely knew each other. And all right. dedicated to getting their hands on SCP-140. So it seems that, if I'm interpreting correctly, originally the Davite used this image for, in a similar fashion to the way that the Foundation is using it, in that they turned themselves into allies or people that were, uh, you know, re- reliably connected to the cause of the Davite Empire. Uh, and somebody had left one of these images in a, you know, in a ruin of some sort and was found by these people that turned them into, retroactively, a cell of people that were dedicated to the cause of the Daylights, even though, you know, it's been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Yep. But what's really fascinating about it is that it has to be read between the lines because it doesn't, you know, it's tagged Daylight, but, you know, Daylight is never mentioned in the specific word in the article. Uh and what I thought was really interesting was in response to a comment in the discussion board uh, when asked, why is this Thaumiel? Which, you know, Thaumiel is an object class, meaning that it can help to contain other anomalies uh, in the fiction of the Foundation. Yes. And Sir Pudding gave like a numerical list and said, well, it could be used to counteract the effect of any alternate imagery instance, specifically these, you know, it can counteract anybody that's seen uh, these other types, which is interesting because what this is implying is that the real original anomaly was the Davite version, and somehow the Foundation figured that out and adapted it and then didn't inform any of the people that are researching it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it can be used to counteract any anomaly that works by conversion, possession, and transformation, so on, as long as the victim is still sapient and capable of viewing the glyphs with the side effect that the person will now have a loyal Foundation uh, member with you know two slash two one forty clearance, but that's probably better than being a meat puppet for space worms or whatever. <laughs> oh, that's a great sentence. A yeah. meat puppet for space worms. I love it. <laughs> um, they could use it to turn moles, which, uh, like we already said, you know, if you were a traitor to the organization, uh, to instantly recruit in parentheses, presumably in an emergency. Oh my gosh, we're so shorthanded. Go get someone from that <laughs> gas station. I, 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 I got to show them something. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, or as a weapon by turning enemies into allies as a weapon it's just as useful tactically as it is strategically which it would be <laughs> you know if the foundation was faced with a genuine like threat of like uh, breaking of the veil you know showing a, a, a shit ton of people that were uh, in danger of threatening the veil this image would suddenly make them less likely to reveal it because they are now loyal think. foundation members but this kind of shows, in you know, the reason I include is a, it's really smart, 
Uh, it's a really fun, very short article. I think when it was originally published, it was maybe 500 words. It's been expanded a little bit. But it's all implication. You know, if you just look at it in basic text form, it's just this thing that the Foundation can use to brainwash people. But right. there's like multiple layers of it that are really creepy. You know, first of all, the Foundation having this thing is really creepy. Uh, <laughs> but then also like digging into it and reading into the footnotes to realize oh my goodness, this is based on something that existed for hundreds and hundreds of years in connection to the Davites. So it's yet another tool in their arsenal to, like, change history. I, I think that's cool. I think it's very cool the way that it's um, completely relying on the reader to pick up on the mm-hmm. cues, which is something that is always scary to do. I, yeah. I, always t- I tend to err on the side of making sure they know what the hell I'm talking about, but I have a great deal of respect for people who will have the courage to post fridge horror. <laughs> yeah, that where, like, you know, you have to be intriguing enough that people are in, wait, what just happened? I want to dig into this and then leave just enough breadcrumb trail to, like, make sure that the, the, the connection is, is there and concrete without ever being explicit. It's, it's a very masterfully done article. And the other ones that do that try and see the same thing are also very impressive because it can Absolutely. fail real bad. <laughs> It definitely can, and people will just go, I don't know what the hell this is. It's failing to make its point, so downvote. Uh. <laughs> right. Although, there are plenty of articles that I, at the end of it, I go, I don't know what I just read, but I thought it was fascinating. <laughs> yes, I work that way as well. Um, because we are the same person. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's true. We are. So, another article, another 140 article, is 3140, which is Botanical Warfare by Nat, Nat Voltaic. And this is... Gregory, Gregory loves this article. I do love this article. It is ridiculous. <laughs> um, but it's told in this very, you know, it, it's still ser- it's series four and it's early series four. And uh, not just because of the number, but when it was published. And um, it's very clinical. It's very dedicated to the, the format of the SCP. Uh, but the thing it's talking about is fucking ridiculous. And I love it. <laughs> it is... <laughs> Just to get down to base brass tacks, it's a tree golem. <laughs> it's a tree golem. It's an animate tree that has been modified by the Davites to use as shock troops. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. very specifically the early Davite because they modified, they didn't originate this practice of growing uh, soldiers out of wood uh, because it's implied and then not implied it's directly stated in a footnote that it's actually SCP-1000 that created this or Bigfoot Bigfoot the or children of the night children of the night yes. what sweet giant tree golems they make <laughs> well to be fair it the Davites did adapt them to warfare so the, the addition that the Davites make to them is making them A. capable of projectile uh fire um i was sure you were gonna say vomiting even knowing what you were going no, to no. it was a real pregnant pause <laughs> Proje- they, davites made them projectile vomit they projectile vomit real- from a cannon and that cannon fired <laughs> what they the foundation believes was some sort of like organic napalm <laughs> yes. um and the davites also put in to like affect uh, a series of like thaumaturgical runes that uh, not only allow for control with certain like control words, but also make them incredibly resistant to like fire and erosion. Um, mm-hmm. So 
these tree golems are like shock troops. They're like tanks from an RPG. They can go in the middle of the battle and they'll get they won't get fucked up by much and you'd have to like sustainably like like rain damage on them to do anything significant. Uh, and also they can fire effectively napalm from a cannon. <laughs> I like that you're taking the tactical theology approach to this one. What do you mean? Like if I had to, if I had to fight these in an, in an uh, RTS, how would I do it? That's right. <laughs> well, I have written several articles where people had to fight them. <laughs> um, I think fighting ridiculous kinds of monsters. This must be because you've been playing Elden Ring. You're already in that mindset. Oh, how would I fight? How would I fight this tree golem? <clears throat> it's so dangerous to bring that up. There are tree golems in it. We're not going to get into it, but I could talk about this game forever. Anyway. um this is a thing that the foundation found in a dig site which is fascinating because it's still alive and it's the only extant instance that they've found uh this is a living tree golem that they found buried so the fact that it's not only resistant to erosion and fire but also apparently like entropy and age you know (laughs) um they dig it up, and, you know, the firing mechanism on its cannon doesn't work anymore. But otherwise, this thing is, you know, cognizant. It's, these things cannot speak. They're, they don't seem to be sapient. Um, but they are alive and animate. Uh, and what's interesting is they find texts in SCP-1726, which is not specifically a Davite article, but it is an article that references the Davites, and it is like this effectively i've described it as a mystical library in china but you know that's basically what it is it is a library in ancient china that's been around for thousands of years and is being controlled by some eldritch thing um kind of a precursor to the wanderers library in some ways i don't know if it was before then but that that's how it's presented right um and also references in SCP-40, in-universe, chronicle the development of the botanical warfare this, of this specific kind of thing, this, this tree column. Uh, and what's funny is the Foundation, being the Foundation, decides, well, could we grow some? Of course, of course. And they do! And they grow a couple of them, although neither of them are uh, capable of firing, and they have variable success. Yeah, that's just beautiful. Well, hey, we... Now that we've got the idea of tree golem in our head, let's let's give it a go. I mean, we want to see if it's re- reproducible. That's an important aspect of science, Harry. Yes, and I'm sure that's 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 the whole sum total <laughs> of their reasoning for doing this. Uh, but what's really interesting, at least from this discussion about the Davites in general, is that it actually, in very brief uh, form, adds some interesting world building, fl- further fleshing out the Davites, uh, and it says. That SCP-3140-1, which is the only one they have until they start growing them, uh, was discovered at a Foundation archaeological dig site near Bikido, Jammu, and Kashmir, Republic of India, uh, in January 2017. The dig site appeared to have at one point been the location of a battle between Davite forces and an unknown Orthothan group. Orthothans are the Church of the Second Hyktoth. We will eventually cover it. We're not going to go into it right now. Based on the presence of non-anomalous weapons and armor possessing acute heptagrams, sometimes surrounded by other polygons, regular polygons ranging from four to seven sides, and humanoid figures with four to seven arms, (laughs) which is all relevant to, like, Ortorthans. But the said battle is believed to have occurred at some point in the early low Davic period, somewhere around 11,000 BCE suspected to be the century conquest a war waged by the davites and a wide number of civilizations in asia lasting for like you know 
a thousand years or so. Basically, it's the big push by the Devas in the early period of their history to like conquer everything in Central Asia. And what I think is like pretty fascinating is by this point in the development of the GUI of the Deva, you know, it was pretty clear. It was still like the Wild West, right? There wasn't that much expansion of the concepts. Um, we had the peach tree. <laughs> we had the retro converter. There are a couple other articles that mentioned it. But specifically, you know, this centers the core idea of the found, uh, of the Deva being interested in horticulture. Uh, yes. Because other articles take this and run with it. Um, and so it becomes this core, and this is why I find it so interesting because it's just an example of that collaborative aspect of the wiki where different authors can take tiny snippets of ideas from previous articles that worked and say, oh, well, well, if they made one weird tree, they probably made others. <laughs> yes. This is something we saw with um, Fifthism too, where the yeah. earliest example of the thing is fairly low key and it's it's doing one thing and it's doing its thing very well but it's not doing much else it's you know it's got a one target and it hits the target and there isn't necessarily the immediate sense of broad scope and then later people look at it and go well how do i build on this and the answer is you build on it <laughs> right uh, only that one was really interesting because the original creator kept popping back in like Silver yes, Escher, cool. Silver Escher kept popping back in to be like, "Well, I've got another idea here, and it's all going to make perfect sense." Um, in, in 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 its, in uh, its... inimitable Silver Escher <laughs> way of not making any right, sense. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and that's kind of these are, I think, the two most you know, in terms of like being mysterious, Fifthism and the Davites are both you know been touched on by so many different authors in so many different ways, but. They, the only thing that any of them really have in common are certain core tenets and otherwise you know the field is open you know right when I, right. I when I did the hub you know the thing about making a hub is you're supposed to at least you know ostensibly include some not instructions but some guidance for people to contribute and you know basically I was like you know what you're pretty open <laughs> you yep. can write almost yep. anything you want as long as it has one of these key aspects that's one of the beauties of it is it's it's there's a lot there if you want to look at it and if you don't want to look at all of it just look at the key ones and then you can start contributing yeah uh and further along those lines is scp 3399 not a 140 oh my goodness uh oh my gosh must have must have been unavailable <laughs> well I, it was, it was. <laughs> we just covered um <laughs> The... Called Family Tree by Mordos, uh, another another tree, uh, another tree, uh, and this tree is one that grows leaves which play out memories from a person who uh, sacrifices some blood onto the tree as it's growing. Uh, yes. The leaves will not only play out their memories and important life events; it will also predict future events, specifically those individuals likely to provide, provide a good pairing for procreation. Additionally, yeah, I know. And additionally, the leaves will identify possible genetic defects in potential offspring or in the person who's making the blood sacrifice. Because in the table in this article, one of the D class uh, has been, uh, you know, is, is sterile, cannot, you know, have children. And when they sacrifice a little bit of blood as part of the experiment, the tree it grows healthy but never produces any seeds. Uh, Another one uh, has been diagnosed with cancer, uh, although I think it's a remission or something. Uh, and so the tree is twisted and gnarled and like never, you know, is riddled with cancer itself. 
Um, What's interesting is that they, the the article says the researchers believe that the anomaly was used to manipulate bloodlines in the ruling Deva families, yes. which already tells you, okay, here's how important it is that we create a sustainable, uh, like ruling class. Uh, we need yeah. to dedicate resources to making a tree, a magic tree that when you sprinkle some blood on it and it grows, we can tell who would be a good mate. <laughs> And what's really funny about that is it says explicitly that, like, in 14% of cases, even if you've got somebody, it's got somebody else in mind. Right. <laughs> I think that's really interesting. It's like, this is like um, the, the Davite Tinder, uh, which is appropriate <laughs> because it's a tree. <laughs> right. He's going to cut the pause. I know you're going to cut the pause so that it looks like you got the joke immediately. <laughs> Not now. Uh, now you can't. I screwed you over. Um, a table shows... Well, so the, the, the tree was found surrounding a Davite shrine, but there were like dozens and dozens, I think they said like 70 or something like that, uh, instances of this tree all reflecting the the life of one specific piece, like one specific royalty. Um family of these Davites uh, oh 73 instances um, and all of the trees you know all the time are showing images displayed on the leaves of these persons lives and then the yeah. last note and it, well, it says it matching the style of dress and cultural surroundings believed to be associated with Davite royalty and the last note is that they take one of the trees and move it to a site and just burn the rest <laughs> <laughs> which is the most foundation thing ever it's like look at this fascinating this is you know the first thing we've talked about from the Davites that isn't immediately horrifying like it has horrifying implications in my opinion like if you're so concerned oh, with yeah. bloodlines and, and it, it certainly shows a cheapness of human uh, like free will and, and all those different things um, but like it's just a tree that plays out memories which should be just a magical wonderful thing <laughs> and the foundation is just like cool we got one we're going to make sure it survives we're going to put it in one of these sites we're going to keep it fed and do some research what do we want to do with the rest of them burn them <laughs> yes well if, if we don't burn them somebody else might get well, it and that's against the whole principle here gotta, <laughs> this is ours gotta contain things <laughs> yep. ours. Um, but yeah uh, you know just as a like sort of closing thought I, you know I think it's really interesting because this is a fairly subtle um, contribution to the worldview of the devas, but it does a really interesting job of focusing the devas on preserving bloodlines. Uh, and the first article even says that the the you know SCP one forty says that the devites were you know potentially these anomalous humans, long living, capable of weird anomalous uh, capabilities, you know, uh, powers and whatnot, uh, and you would think that those sorts of people would also be very concerned with making sure that those bloodlines survived. And this is a 10,000 year long empire, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this is the kind of crap you get from um, really big established empires where they've gotten so inward looking and decadent that they're like making trees to reproduce their concubines and making trees to check their bloodlines. And they're, they're just, the Davites are just being so fucking gross at this point because they're, they're late stage empire basically. Right. Exactly. Speaking of more gross stuff by the Davites, uh, SCP-4140, another 140. Sarkic Containment Procedures. Is, which is the is such a clever title. Sarkic Containment Procedures, SCP, by Hatch-Eye. Now, this is mostly a Sarkic-focused fa- article, uh, 
Well, how did it end up in the list? That's strange. Because uh, <laughs> the o- the the overlap between Sarcasism, at least from their early history, and the Davites are like incredibly intimately connected. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for the next episode, which will be on Alagada, and we'll have nothing to do. Oh wait, I you know you're just gonna go through the list of everything that's vaguely connected to Sarcasism, and you're like, yeah, everything is Sarcasism. It's that simple. <laughs> Listen, it's the interconnecting meat thread that runs through the whole wiki now. Praise the praise I am. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so this is a Hallowed be however his name is pronounced. That's right, Eon, Ion, Oan, Yon. Uh, actually, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Yawn. To be honest, a lot of the, it's, re- lot of the readers are not. <laughs> it's proto Uralic. It, it could. It probably is Yawn. Anyway, <laughs> I don't think you want to go with Yawn, considering no. how some people feel about sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> I said some people. I didn't say me. I'm here. I know. I'm listening. <laughs> Tell me about the Sarkat containment procedures, Gregory. <laughs> so this is a cave, uh, but at the center of the cave is a portal to another universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. And the the cave is entirely made up of, uh, you know, it was originally an you know an actual you know stone cave or rock cave like any cave would be, uh, but now it's all entirely covered and consisting of organic material. And it turns out that this cave was slowly taken over by the body of a Karsist, a spiritual leader in Sarcasism. Talk about a man cave. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It just occurred to me. I didn't even have that one in my pocket. Uh, this, this is just this is just how clever I am at uh, twelve sixteen in the morning. Man, carry cave. on. He literally uses his body, growing himself into the structure of the cave, to seal the portal, because the portal was being used by Davite priestesses to sacrifice slaves. He thought to feed uh, their deaths to an entity beyond, which is a, a Davite god, and it's not clearly stated, but it is one of the sources for the concepts that the Davites worship Yada Bayoth. Yeah, you got it. I I spelled it right. Uh, And the Archons, which is its servant god things. It's not explicitly made clear, but it's sort of one of those things that is like between the lines and much of the lore between the Sarkics and and the Davites, that the the greatest adversary of the Sarkics in terms of their religion was what the Davites worshipped. Now, you know, Who's to say that's true? This article does a really good job of like cementing how important and like vital it was for the Sarkics in the beginning to resist and overcome the Devas. Because here's a guy who has, you know, spent a lot of time making himself powerful, making himself a leader of people. Uh, and he sacrifices his life to become this permanent containment. Uh, vessel for this horrible yawning, you know, mouth uh, in, into uh, oblivion. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and what's really interesting is that the people that spend too much time in the cave uh, go through a series of like mental and then physical changes, which, you know, just to quickly summarize, turns them into what seems to me like good Sarkic soldiers. Like they can transform their bodies, they're very dedicated yep. to making sure this process stays there. Um, part of the process is this like specific music being played, which has been played by some surviving, you know, descendants of his followers for like centuries, uh, to help, you know, essentially continue to contain this portal by, uh, but also keeping him from growing further because he seems to be like almost like turned himself into cancer because he's constantly recreating cells of his own body. And, and, you know, he's not animate anymore. He's no longer conscious, but it's really interesting because it ends 
with uh, not too long of a segment of his actual journals. Um, and I just thought I would read the end of it because I thought it was pretty moving. Uh, the words recorded here will be my last coherent memories. I reject the Deva sacrifice of the many for the few, just as I reject the inherent cruelty of life. The true nature of the Demiurge, or Yada Beoth, lives within us all. Defiance of this nature has always been the only road to kindness. If I must live forever in the dark so that all others may see the glorious light of Ikunan or the Sarkic Paradise, their heaven, then so be it. And it's good stuff. Not only is it good stuff, it's kind of a play on we die in the dark so you can live in the light. It is. And this is absolutely Sarkic is. containment procedures. This this article's wonderful. Uh, and it, it is. I'm biased because I like all Sarkic things, but it's just such a smart, you know, because it seems like, oh, it's another creepy body horror thing. Uh, uh, no, actually, well, you know. And in addition to that, since you read part of the uh, the end, I'm going to read a little bit of the beginning just because it's called Sarkic Containment Procedures. A lot of people hate writing the Conprox, the containment procedures, because they think, well, it's it's just an irritant that's in the way of telling your story. Our friend Ip absolutely despises <laughs> writing containment procedures and often forgets to do them. He, he um, just posted one, and he almost forgot to do it. Yes, for our contest. That's, right. <laughs> that's how much he doesn't like, and we didn't even notice because we're terrible. But anyway, <laughs> um, I feel that because they are the first thing that shows up that is something that you have written yourself as opposed to a number or an object class, the first thing they see, other than maybe a picture, is the containment procedures. They should function as your hook. Mm -hmm. You should write something in there that makes the reader go, what the fuck could this possibly be that you need to do that to keep it where it is? And and that's what I think the power of that, that thing is, is it, it makes the reader have an opportunity to see how weird this must be and want to find out more. And there's, an, uh, uh, there's a protocol described in the containment procedures that I just want to read because I think it's a kick-ass hook. Yeah. To prevent the manifestation of additional volumes of SCP-4140-2, music must be played in the central cave chamber at all times. The musicians must be seated in a circle surrounding SCP-4140. These musicians should be proficient with at least one string or woodwind instrument, but the specific melody played is not relevant to containment. A provisional underground site with temporary living quarters for containment personnel should be maintained. A total of 15 musicians are to be kept on site, with an additional set of musicians housed on the surface for bi-weekly rotation. This ensemble of musicians is designated Tau-8, Zan's violinists. Additional Foundation staff must be present to monitor Tau-8's shifts and to watch for obsessive and irrational behavior indicative of SCP-4140-induced mania. Deceased members of Tau-8 should be allowed to continue playing until the smell of decomposition becomes disruptive <laughs> to other members. What? Uh, so <laughs> like, that's a hook. Yeah, it's that is thing. a hook. That's a good, good hook. Yeah, I, I agree with you for, you know, in terms of the Conprox being a good hook in general. Like, And there's a couple, you know, and to get back into creative court a little bit for a little bit of advice for people that want to write articles... I often have looked at Conprox as kind of the last thing I do because they're not as important. But that doesn't mean that you can't still kind of think about what could I include in here that makes sense with my grander narrative, with my weird, you know, whatever my anomaly is, uh, but that it will also pique the interest of. You know, if it's just as simplistic, oh, it needs to be submerged and blah, 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 uh, then it probably won't work that way. But you could go... 
you know, in this way, it's always, it's usually a very effective way to say something kind of ridiculous uh, or, or outlandish in there. Yeah. But it could also be something that's much more subtle and just feels completely out of place. For example, yeah. in 5923, I basically focused on the fact that the foundation needs to get seriously invested in the tourism board uh, in <laughs> Turkey, uh, but didn't explain <laughs> <laughs> because I wanted people that's the beauty of it and then I don't explain it in the article either all I say at the very end is and contracts were you know uh, updated accordingly <laughs> yeah and they re- you read the article you will understand why but it's enough to make you go like huh like the one I wrote that I'm the proudest of is only one sentence and it's actually the entire contracts are only one sentence and it is in the unlikely event that SCP-5416 still exists, its recontainment will not become necessary for approximately five billion years. <coughs> I, <love this. laughs> I killed Grigori. <clears throat> like, I just remember which one you were talking It's enough to make the reader go, pardon? And if you can make them go, pardon, which is the invitation from themselves to themselves to learn more right. at the beginning, why would you not do that? Yeah. Yeah, a good hook is always useful, no matter what it is. I mean, think back to your high school essays and how often you would open with a quote um, that uh, now I would suggest people not do in any sort of intellectual exercise. But it did happen a lot when I was writing essays about the Scarlet Letter or whatever. <laughs> yes, or you could write, or you could start with a dictionary definition, which, uh, is, what I would call, which is what I would call an anti-hook. Uh, Makes me instantly not want to read what you're writing. But anyway, now we're sounding like really old people, so maybe we should go to the next SCP. Uh, young people have to write essays. <laughs> yes, but we sound like we're grading their essays, because that's actually where I'm coming from. Well, you're a teacher, I'm not. Anyway, um, so, different SCP. This one's a little bit more modern. SCP-5280, mm. Honey Mandius, which is a very funny title, yes. uh, by Amelia Wright and Stormbreath. Stormbreath, who also was involved in writing 6140, which we'll talk about later. Uh, so that's two. Yes. This, he's one of the first, one of the few, they are one of the few people on this list that are on it twice. Except for myself. <laughs> Except for Gregory, who's on here like three times. Right. Um, and this is a species of honeybee adapted by the Davis to survive colder weather. And if it stopped there, it'd be the most boring article ever. But it doesn't. <laughs> because they produce much larger hives with advanced architecture and if that doesn't make you go wait what what, what yes what, they make skyscrapers kind of <laughs> so they make their beehives to resemble deva tempa De- devite temples or other culturally significant buildings um mm-hmm. and not only that they will often uh manipulate hedges or bushes to recreate like see famous scenes in Davite history What's fascinating... As, as, as bees generally do not do. Not normally, but, you know, if you ask them nicely. <laughs> That's right. Um, only... Just a little bit of bee speak. <laughs> for for all, all you, all you bee, bee phones. <laughs> I guess it would be apiophones, but I, I go with the colloquial term. Can you, can you hurry up and say something sensible so I can stop? No, you know, one of these days I'm just going to stop and just, like, let you just kind of keep rambling. And then it's just going to yeah. be the whole article, uh, the whole uh, episode is going to be great. And that'll be my last day in the community. Oh, um, what's cool about this one is much like other articles we've talked about in, in different episodes, where it's a later article that provides a lens to look back on uh, mm-hmm. earlier stuff. Uh, these 
bees are like now made to be in the universe essential to the uh, maintaining of these anomalous plants that the deva make because the only way to pollinate these plants because reminder the devites survive you know the empire sprang out of you know being in central siberia a place that is not known <laughs> for you know incredibly <laughs> tolerant uh plant life uh, it's a fairly cold environment um and these bees are the only ways to pollinate these anomalous day by plants and they're the ones that are able to like maintain uh specifically the like longevity of these weird plants so then that kind of adds in another layer to all these other articles uh and say okay well was there like a colony of these bees nearby or something is the foundation intent you know it's just a very i just find it really interesting yeah um what's let's see oh the article cites to scp 140 with a textual textual excerpt the little priestesses or the bees were of course crucial to the maintenance of the empire without them so much of our great works would not have been possible our gardens were not like the rest of the world they produce our weapons and armies and who tends to the gardens but the little priestesses mm-hmm. so it's these cute you know little bees that make like you know scale models of stuff out of their hives but also they're like part of arms proliferation <laughs> They build arms and architecture, They're like the ultimate invasive species. This, this implication <laughs> they go. When, there's this implication. It's not even an implication. It's a statement that when they go to colonize a new space, the bees are there first, setting the place up for them. Right. Like, oh, we know that we know we're going to live here now because the bees are out. What's interesting is it's found and discovered in like a modern, you know, somewhat modern. I think it's back in like the 40s or something. Um, place called glendale in uh in the uk where a small like family-run farm is still like maintaining a colony of these bees and at the end they trans transplant some of the bees to like a site to be studied but they keep them there for like you know historical respect <laughs> which seems <laughs> very understanding for the foundation in my opinion. it does and almost suspiciously so it, it feels more reflective of like how cool people Amelia Wright and Stormbreath are. <laughs> yes. They're like, we should respect people's livelihoods. I also like the fact that um, there's a notation in here that it's 140A who's the one who brought these uh, bees to this mm-hmm. weird house, and there appear to have been normal people hanging out here, and it says something like to the effect of, if he was hanging out with people, that seems to be a, a bit of a stretch from what he usually does. And there's some implications here that the fellow is getting really fellow or, or lady is getting or whatever is getting fed up with the uh the long wait to bring the davis back and is getting a little lonely <laughs> interestingly you know and this is not quote-unquote canon but when i was talking to assertive roland he talked about the fact that 140a uh was not really the person that was obsessed with bringing the deva back but was yeah. a survivor of the davite culture and was like desperate to try and give them another chance for them to finally learn how to be a better people, but it just keeps repeating the same mistake. It's like a sunken cost fallacy thing. That's good, and that's actually implied in this article. Yeah. Too. So they uh, they were they were definitely on vibing on the same level there. And it, it's just what an interesting because like my first thought when reading 140 is like, well, who is this crazy person who's like going around spreading this blood book that you know is bringing the you know creeping crawling chaos out of the history to come and get us. 
Well, no, yeah. no, he's just sentimental and really, really wishes that his culture would like learn to stop being assholes. <laughs> yeah. Retroactively, someday there will be an American doing this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then we have an article from Hammer Maiden, who has shown up in many of these lists Woo! because she is incredibly talented. Uh, and this Absolutely. one is pretty recent as well. SCP five seven one one, which is a terrific article. Uh, and all these have been, but man, this article's nuts. Called Threat Level Midnight. Nowhere ever heard that before. I don't know where. Oh, you, where you don't know. Well, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep going. We'll just leave it as an inside joke for people who do know. <laughs> That's out. All right. Uh, SCP five seven one one is a thaumaturgic ritual capable of altering the course of historical events. Uh, very Davite. Without direct intervention by intervention by traditional temporal displacement methodology. Recovered materials from SCP-5711-1 suggest that the ritual and the apparatus involved in its completion were developed by the Davite civilization in, like, 250 BC. Mm -hmm. And this is part of Hammer Maiden's amazing time travel series, which is the Temporal Anomalies Department. Uh, that's not the name of the series, but it's the stuff that it stars uh, Thaddeus X. How do you pronounce his last name? I usually say Jank. Jank. Oh, well, that's much better than X Tank or whatever I was going to say. <laughs> X Tank. Thaddeus X Tank. Thaddeus X Con. <laughs> Professor X Tank. I think it's probably Jank or Jank or something along those lines, but we'd have to ask uh, someone who actually knows. That's true. Uh, we do know her, so we should ask her. We should ask her. Uh, and what's cool about this one is that it uh, is a modern Davite cult that has converted members of Sarkism and members of Church of the Broken God and been like, aren't you sick of the way that you, you know, your religion has not brought you closer to, like, fulfillment uh, or whatever. It somehow has convinced them to join in with him uh, so that he can, like, recreate uh, some... Well, it's kind of hard to say what the what the ultimate goal was, but it's implied it was for, like, the re-invigoration like, of the Davide Empire. As usual. Right. Um, and I would say, other than um, our stolen history, uh, our stolen future, our stolen theory, shit, I forget what that article is named. Uh, this is one of the coolest timey wimey sort of articles on the on the on the wiki. Um, yes, because that's what that's one of the things that Hammer Maiden absolutely right. excels at. Right, absolutely, because, and I forget the agent's name in the article, but basically what we see is the foundation going to explore uh, uh, to uh, investigate because this this ritual was quote-unquote successful but the result was not what was predicted and it turns into this like bubble of like entropy slash time warp whatever <laughs> there's a great picture on the, in the article that like just shows like this dome of blackness over the mountains it's an amazing picture <laughs> it's, it really works because it really looks like oh shit that should not be there <laughs> it's such an amazing picture that the uh, the agents in the story actually lampshade the fact that the picture is pants shitting, <laughs> and and the the reader does not disagree. Yeah, like I mean, it, you know, it's clearly an edited image, but like the idea of like here's this like serene vista of the mountains, and look, there's a period of unreality. <laughs> it's just a, a dome of blackness. <laughs> Here comes nothing. Um. And basically, when they're exploring it, I don't want to give too much away because it's just kind of a roller coaster ride. But 
when they're the exploring it, they not only run into members of their own team that are already there or have died. Um, yes. Or and one of them who has died more than once, <laughs> yes. because you know it's like this little pocket of you know temporal reality where things are repeating over and over again. But it's not just repeating; it's like almost like a video game. It keeps giving this one agent another chance to like solve the problem. Uh, and you know everyone should just go read it because a everything Hammer Maiden writes is awesome i know she's mostly known you know at least in the offsite community as the author of scp 2000 which is a landmark article but yep. the stuff about the temporal anomalies department is nuts and phenomenal absolutely and this absolutely does such a good like retroactive huh, retroactive like world building with the with the davites even though that's not really the point of the article yeah um and uh, you know yet again we're, we're dealing with retrocausal anomalies, which, you know, is one of the three tenets of the Davites, essentially. It's, you know, horticulture, retrocausality, and fucking blood worshipping. <laughs> yep. Ah. So, SCP-6140, which is the true empire, again by... One of our many, many an enemies that, that <laughs> came out of absolutely fucking nowhere and beat the shit out of us in 6Con. Look, we wrote 95,000 words. The fact that it is not at plus two is amazing. Yeah, like, I can't complain. And I, I don't mean, like, I am secretly complaining and I'm pretending. I just can't complain because I had this image of us crashing and burning mm -hmm. because we posted so we posted 50,000 words and then added 48,000 <laughs> more or whatever. But, but it didn't. It did really well. I have no complaints. Yeah, I mean, I remember conversations before we ever posted anything where I was, like, very strenuously suggesting, listen, we each got to try. This is going to be so long. We <laughs> each got to try to keep everything under 5,000 words words because at the end of this if this is a 30,000 article 30,000 word article that's a lot but it's not like incomparably huge like there are other articles that Harry has written <laughs> that are already in that ballpark that seems reasonable um, and then it turned out absolutely <clears throat> none of us who went back to our little lonely writers rooms mm -hmm. um, actually made any effort whatsoever to try and keep it down that's not true I cut whole scenes <laughs> I cut a whole... Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll be completely honest. Um, you, Ip, and I cut our stuff back, and Dark Stuff didn't. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> well... Anyway, we're not talking about... That's okay. <laughs> I like his path better than almost anything I wrote for it. Yeah, well, I think most people like his <coughs> path the best out of the initial That's bunch. so anyway. good. Uh, anyway, but, so 614... But we're not talking about 6500. We're talking about the thing that beat us. What? This got, what, fourth place or something like that? I yeah. think so, yeah. Um, and this is very intentionally uh, subverting the expectations in a 180 turn from everything we have learned about the Davites up until now, which is just yes. fucking cool. So the anomaly at play in this article is the actual Davite Empire. And a cult, which is dedicated to the Scarlet King, so yet again, this is another version of the, uh, the Davites who, you know, according to these authors, uh, the Davites were dedicated to the Scarlet King. Um, stole copies of SCP-140 and in the process of doing a ritual to try and bring about the return of the Davide Empire, destroy all the copies of SCP-140. And their ritual is successful. But it has a delayed effect. And so it's going to be like a year or something like that to the next summer equinox. I forget exactly the time frame, but the point is, is the Foundation is in the know that this is going to happen. We are going to see a return of the Davide Empire 
and it's going to be a retrocausal return, meaning that their entire history will have been changed such that they are still in existence as of today. Meaning, I love we this. are going to have to worry about modern day weapons and the advancements yes. in their techniques that have taken place over the last few thousand years since they got destroyed. Um, and here's the entire piece of, of, of geography that we can expect them to control and we have to start thinking about how we're going to fight them back and we will not allow normalcy to be destroyed we will not go into that good night quietly we're going to take all of our really important foundation uh, researchers and staff and we're going to put them in these reality anchored bunkers to protect from the you know causality wave and we're going to come out of this swing it's like this whole big speech by 05-1 yeah, it's great because it's like, oh, this is this is the, the reality we knew was going to happen. Uh -huh. As soon as we read 140 and you're reading the article, like, this is it. They're going to show up. This is going to be the end. This is the thing we were basically inherently promised by 140 is the really bad thing is about to happen. And the article handles that exactly as you would imagine. It's framed as this gigantic, holy shit, get your bug out bag. This is about to go really south really fast. And it's exactly what you would expect for this because this is obviously <coughs> about to be a gigantic fucking disaster. Yeah. 051, we will survive the reappearance of the Davide Empire. Regardless of what happens on March 20th, normalcy will be protected. The consensus will be maintained. Uh, and it's a list pages article, meaning... Yeah, which means it's got multiple iterations. And at the end, you say, you know, uh, uh, alert. You know, I don't remember the exact quote. <clears throat> but alert, you know, the reality shift in progress. And, you know, that's a link. And you click it, and the article switches and it turns out the daylight empire did get reestablished mm -hmm. but as all countries and all cultures do time and the progress of history has led to every long lasting uh civilization slowly becoming you know in pace with the rest of modernity and that didn't not happen to the daylights they also right. followed the path of history. That's not to say that every modern country is like progressive or something, but like, you know, most modern day world powers aren't going around taking slaves these days. <laughs> right. The Deva came back and they are a country in Asia. That's right. It's the Davistan. It's just Davistan. Yeah. It's like the Republic of Davistan or something yeah. like that. It's like, yeah. They're here. And it, and it abandons its heinous ways centuries ago, like so many countries did over the years and like most nations have slowly but surely brought themselves to modern understanding of civil and human rights here's a quote it is now known that scp-140 was highly inaccurate further it was discovered that the former prevailing theory as to the operation of scp-140 that it was restoring on an ontologically annihilated civilization into being was only partially correct it was also the phenomenon that initially ontologically annihilated daylight history the complete destruction of all S copies of scp-140 undid its effects and ontologically reinstated scp-6-140a which is modern day actual real life davistan uh, to its original form because it turns out that scp-140a at least in this version is just some dude in 1700s britain who visited the deva uh, and like read through their histories and became sort of enamored with their old barbarous ways and like all colonial white people <laughs> thought that he could tell a more interesting history than they're actually people who lived there and were part of the culture um and he decides to write this book which is a you know chronicle of the devil only he takes uh the book 
which is SCP-140, ignored most of the country's history and blended its popular mythology into the nation's history. So, like, the concepts of, like, George Washington and, like, Abraham Lincoln and, like, you know, Babe the Blue Ox and, like, shit like that that's part of American bullshit popular uh, mythology, he took that stuff and was like, that's actually history, yo. Only he got an occultist to do some kind of crazy ritual that made it so that the devas were wiped out so that reality was completely changed, where the only existing history was his horrible book. So he's like the worst example of like a colonial anthropologist. Yeah, like the the devas, the the slave-owning, cannibalistic, occasionally devas, were wiped out ages ago by by their their slaves who took over and made a perfectly good country and yet what this guy did in writing his ridiculous history was he concretized them at their worst moment and pretended they were that way forever which explains why they're stagnant why they're exactly the same whenever they get moved ahead in the timeline because he's made this version of them that is just just a cartoon version of them and that's the version we all believe that's the version that the wiki is based on and there's just this big table of so here's what what everybody thought the deva were like turns out not really for most of history that's actually bullshit (laughs) it just goes through because it's this orientalist guy creating this other version of them and it's not like that at all and they're they're kind of horrified to read the version of history that we all believe they belong to yeah it's like the white weeb nerd who's like obsessed with samurais and like wrote a book entirely on like samurai culture and then decided to portray all of japanese history to be samurai culture or whatever and it's just like yo that's not real like you don't get to tell people what history was you're not even from there (laughs) um and what's really fun is it ends with like a presentation in the kind of the old style of the scp orientation tale uh factored into this article where a modern day Devastani foundation researcher is giving a presentation to these other like emerging foundation <laughs> members who were all in these reality anchored bunkers who so they have not been part of reality shifting back and so they have to like come to grips with modern reality that hey the Davites they were real and it's crazy and they're just it's just a place it's a place it's, it's beautiful with people and you know you're right back in the day they were the worst slave-owning, you know, civilization that's ever existed. But, like, eventually that caught up to them, and we've been pretty chill ever since. It's beautiful, the ending of it, because it's 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 essentially an orientalized people's demand to the orientalizers to stop it. Because yeah, right. the, the reality-anchored foundation people are coming with their remembrance of the bad version of the deva. And this deva person is like... I know what you guys are thinking. Even though your job is to maintain consensus normalcy, I know what you're thinking, and what you're thinking is, how can we return everything to the version that we remember because we are right, and what I'm telling you is that your version was never right, and don't you dare try to erase us. Yeah, the only reason that was quote-unquote normal was because some other asshole decided to impose his worldview on us, and I'm even a member of the Foundation, so just calm your shit just calm down right it's it's time that your version of our history stopped overwriting what happened <laughs> yeah it's so good and it's it's a great article it's not in my head canon at all no it's a great article no i mean then you know most of my dedicated because it wipes out everything yeah it, it, it's it's one of the 
best ways of taking a, like a very old idea for a modern day uh like especially for a big you know splashy contest like a, a thousand contest yeah uh, and you know that's what they do yeah, they reimagine exactly. things they do things that aren't in continuity with anything else that are just like crazy out there ideas because that's when you can when you can do something you get like away that. with writing a novel on the wiki exactly not that this one was a novel it's, it's actually except the, our novel is in canon but anyway <laughs> that's true Although I made some pretty big changes there at the end. Yeah, you made <coughs> some pretty big changes, but I killed Bright and 173. Yeah, sure did. <laughs> you did? Um, so we're going to briefly talk about the Trash Fire, which is this brilliant canon by Uranium Empire and a lot of others. Uh, but Uranium Empire is sort of one of the primary uh, motivating factors here. Um, obviously, it's a canon, so you know they they could not have been the only author. Um, but the only reason we're going to briefly do it is because A, it's dense, there's a lot of stuff here, there's a lot of articles attached to it and B, it deserves its own episode, it's just, it's brilliant uh, you know, I haven't read everything but uh, the ones I have read are just you know, they are on a whole nother level than compared to yeah. stuff on the wiki compared to my stuff on the wiki, I feel like it's just on a whole nother level, it's brilliant but, just wanted to read this bit from the hub, which is kind of setting up the worldview of the trash fire and the trash fire primarily follows the fallout caused by the quote-unquote old gods and very specifically the four worshipped in the davite empire the verdant mage a vast and mindless entity of fire and poison this sounds like something <laughs> out of elden ring uh this you're gonna say this sounds like my ex-wife or something no i don't no i would not say that <laughs> Uh, the Scarlet King, the aquatic eunuch lord of violence and hi hierarchy. I don't know why aquatic. Um, <laughs> the violent, the violet queen, a screeching horror associated with glittering corruption, usurpation, and insects. That I could have just kept. I could have just kept making the ex-wife joke this whole time. Yeah, they they all could slip. Say, yeah. um, I let it slip right between my fingers. <laughs> that which makes holes in the shape of worms, a vicious anti-meme known throughout <laughs> negative space. Which God, that's a good name. I'm, if I'm wrong, you know, somebody correct me. But it feels like it's a it's a reference to there is no anti-meme. There is no anti-memetics yeah. division. I can never remember his number, but I, th I feel like it's it's yeah. Yeah, we could be completely wrong, but I know what you're thinking. <laughs> if it's not, it's I think it's it's meant to be evocative of it. Um, yeah, the Davites and by extension the old gods were opposed by the Imet, a culture of clay humanoids ingrained with knowledge of thaumaturgy by their former slave masters, Homo sapiens descensus. What started as Davite expansion into Imet territory turned into an existential battle that nearly exterminated the Imet, yet irreparably damaged the influence of the old gods on Earth. All of this found its way into the modern world. Communities formed around the ossified bones of dead horrors, descendants of their brutality integrated into their neighbors, and all in all, life just seemed to go on as absurdly and chaotically as it always felt. And then the Foundation gets involved, which was, we all know, always goes for the better. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, and if that... Honestly, if you heard me read that portion and are not immediately impressed by sort of... You know, it starts off with this big, grandiose um, world building. Feels like someone's talking about, you know, Dark Souls or Elden Ring or something. And yet, the individual articles, some of them are brilliant, big scope, uh, world, you know, mind bendy weirdness. Um, but almost all of them are also like incredibly grounded. 
and, and it's just uranium empire is just like on a whole other level in my opinion absolutely <laughs> and i'm uh fairly jealous you're not, al- you're, fairly you're not jealous. alone in that opinion yeah. that's a fairly commonly yes. held opinion <laughs> um although i feel like off-site you know not kind of unknown um and, and which is unfortunate it, is. it happens a lot it does uh and i think you know like famine bulls i think people should just, just go if you learn take anything from this uh go and read the trash fire yeah go read some new <clears throat> uh and then uh another uh, although a smaller uh tale series uh by Dejoric, uh called empire of dirt and this is another example of the deva where they were centered and and um around a city of Davon. <clears throat> uh, and it's a three-part tale series, although there is actually kind of a shadow fourth part. Uh, and it's really good reading, like everything Jorik does, really t- good character-based stuff. Um, interestingly enough, this is another deviation where the Davites worship the Scarlet King. Um, yes. Which, you know, depending on your headcanon, doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I like that all these different versions exist, basically. Yes. Um, and then, I don't know, who is this guy who writes, like, weird Greek letters? Hecaton Cherries? Weird. Gory Carpet, what a nerd. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about this. I see this is at the end of the outline. I think maybe we should just, just skip cut it. it. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to talk yeah. about it very much. But um, we could spend a whole thing on but I would have to make you do it. I uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, you would want to do it, but I would. Ha- it would have to be my fault, or you would feel bad. But anyway, <laughs> you'd have to like interview me or something about it. Um, yes, but and it's also not finished, so it'd be crazy. But uh, basically, you know, as I mentioned before, I in my first article, which was the first article of my series, um, SCP four six one two. I mentioned not all gods decompose. Oh, thank you, man. I do like that title a lot. Um, it's a great <clears throat> the mention of the daylights is in connection with uh, this dead slut god uh, which was not dead at the time having something to do with the downfall of the deva as opposed to what was commonly understood from SCP-140 mm-hmm. um, and I just threw that in there for like color and for like tone setting to basically be like oh look how crazy this in history this dead slug god had you know involved himself but um you know eventually it became kind of imperative to me to like pay that off (laughs) and yes uh about halfway through uh no about a third of the way through i started introducing more and more davites to the articles and it basically turns into like a, an entire not a return of the entire daylight empire but like a specific matriarch who was like preserved essentially is like potentially undead uh it's unclear because i haven't totally explained any of it um who is kind of running around russia and other parts of previously controlled uh daylight territory um trying to a get revenge uh and b reestablish uh, a foothold in the modern day world uh doing such things as like necromancy bringing about interesting uh golems uh but also uh funding and controlling a energy company in russia (laughs) 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 because she's she's one of these things is not like she's trying to like a a big you know wide scope you cast a wide net when you're trying to retake over the world Um, absolutely and a couple of the ones that really focus on although she and and the other daylights are kind of like relatively important to that storyline 
uh, is 5627, uh, which is Golems of the Eastern Slope, and 5626. No, I think I got those numbers wrong. They're not right next to each other. Uh, that'll be weird. Why would they both be? They are not right next to each other. I was thinking that too. That's not right. That must be wrong. Hold on. Internet. It would be particularly funny if Internet. one if if the second one was one number below the first one. Yeah, that would be. I, that can't be. Grigori counts backwards when he does the Deva. It's the retro causality thing, right? <laughs> no, it's five two six seven. So that's my fault. There you go. So Golems of the Eastern Slope is five two six seven, uh, and it's also Golems of the Eastern Step. Step. Sorry. Uh, I mean, you don't know. I mean, you don't know this article very well. It's it's, only, it's written by Grigory Carpin. You haven't read a lot by him. You know, people are always saying he's a good author, and then they're kind of like, eh, hey, I'll put it off. I'll, I'll wait to read his stuff. Yeah, you're always saying how much you like Grigory's stuff, but do you ever read it, man? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, such a meta joke. All right. Um, <laughs> and then The Far Shore, which is 5626, uh, which are both related to sort of Davite thaumaturgical weirdness. Uh, and, uh, Great articles. Uh, thank you. Uh, I really like Golems of the Eastern Slope. I, I really like some of the pictures I did for that as well. Yeah, it's great. And then, uh, finally, just because you know we've been kind of pacing around it a little bit, and we mentioned in the previous episode, uh, a few months back, I decided to uh, make a Davite hub. Um, yeah. And I just thought I'd read something from the author post because it kind of explains my thought process. You know, I was doing research for a new article, which turned into In the Carpathians, uh, which I co-wrote with Pedagon. Uh, and I decided to read through all the SCPs that had the Davite tag. Um, and unfortunately, the vast majority of these articles only mention the Davite in a passing fashion, as I mentioned earlier in this episode. So they wanted to create a historical note uh, for an unrelated anomaly that they want to establish. Hey, see, this thing is really important to history. Um, and yet it didn't have most of the articles would not have much relating to the actual data as opposed to the ones we talked about today yeah. and so i thought you know as i am in this position where i am trying to find out more about the deva so i can write this article that involves uh their anomalies i thought well god how useful would it be if there was a hub um because so many you know it is a group of interest uh but it's the only one i think the only well-established one uh, that seems to have no hub. Why is that? Uh, and probably, you know, I assume, and I even got some crit from some not, <laughs> some very not smart crit in my opinion, being like, well, who are you to write this? <laughs> um, I'm me. That's not how that works. I'm me, and I'm going to write it. That's why. Did you like it or not? <laughs> That's all I wanted to hear about. Um, I'm the person who's going to put the work in. That's who. Who are you? <clears throat> right. And, um, you know, it was interesting because, you know, as we've been talking about, all these articles are really intriguing and they all have centralized concepts, but they really didn't feel like one picture of what Davite lore is, as opposed to like Sargasism or Church of the Broken God or even Fifthism. There hadn't been a lot of things fleshed out. Like you couldn't really say who the Deva were. You could say, oh, well, they seem yeah. to be colonial. They seem to be uh, slave takers they they have weird blood sacrifices but like that's not really a picture of a culture or some sort of group like what right. do they want and so i found like it mostly as i sat down and wrote all i could from the articles i thought were important i realized oh i'm gonna have to add to this and so i just started <laughs> right and so like 
a lot of the stuff on the hub is stuff that I kind of made up whole cloth. Um, you know, and it fits. Thanks. I I looked at like you know some of the practices of Hinduism of telling stories through dance and thought about how you know that was not too far away from the the area in which the the Davites were. And so I thought, well, what, you know, what could the Davites be interested in dance? And then okay, they're they're interested in blood sacrifice, but like more than that, what do we want to say about it? Do I just include a sentence saying they want it? Well, no. Let's let's include like firsthand accounts, maybe excerpts from SCP-140, or maybe a historian who wrote like you know a treatise on the, what their culture was like. Um, right. And so you know, I hope that the the article the the hub is like helpful for people but in a lot of weird ways i also feel like slightly like a fraud because it's like well i want to inform people of what the davites are and i kind of redefined them <laughs> but that's how it works that's the david <laughs> um i also want to say it's very appropriate uh, there is a really brilliant article which we didn't cover here because it's not really a story and it's kind of hard to talk about uh called the old davite language uh, and it's sort of a dossier on breaking down the actual linguistic uh, language of Deva. And yes, it was written by Long Lan Lin. And uh, they also helped me with the hub by taking this language that they, uh, you know, I believe created whole cloth, it's, you know, conlang, yep. Um, yep. and ins- did an inscription and some very simplistic, like, drawings that then I uh, kind of edited and, and made a little bit more complicated uh, and then superimposed on rock to make it look like it had been uh, etched into rock, which, I, you know, took a little while. But <laughs> it, I think it looks pretty good. Yeah, that article is really good. I've used it uh, for, for stuff. Oh, yeah, um, me too. Lo- Long Lane Ling does conlang stuff, constructed language stuff. And, uh, in fact, if you say anything involving the words constructed language in the scp declassified discord it used to just summon (laughs) (laughs) might might still i don't know um anyway you know i tried to write it you know i'm in undergrad i I studied anthropology and so like i you know tried to write it not as an academic paper but from this perspective of like okay well who were the deva this is these are historians that are writing or anthropologists that are writing about this people that no longer exist that have this, you know, very heady sort of uh, baggage with all these different issues with SCP-140 and all these different versions of them out there. And so trying to balance the mystery with trying to also flesh them out as like a real people, not sympathetic because at their core, they are uh, pretty awful. (laughs) But, uh, I did think it was interesting to try and talk about them as like an actual culture, uh, or at least try to, and uh, hopefully it was successful. I don't know. It absolutely was. Actually, on that note, I just want to call back again to Empire of Dirt by Jorik, because there's a few really great vignettes mm. of the ancient David oh, yeah. people that are really great for world building, um, and that, that, that three-part, four-part series is really really good yes <laughs> it's really 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 good yeah um and th- it's like a constrained narrative like it's got kind of a beginning and end all an end and so i don't it's why i didn't want to go into it that much here and why i don't like go into tremendous detail oh, on yeah. the hub because it's just like listen if you are interested in the deva just go read them they're fairly short uh but they are brilliant yeah i think that should be our one this time for um, besides also the trash fire, that should be the one where we go, go read Empire of Dirt. They're not long right. and they're great. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, so emails. Uh, if anyone wants to send us an email, you don't have to send it just about the modern, uh, the current uh, episode. It could just be about anything SCP-related or creative or about writing or just questions. Who cares? Anything. Just some insult insults. Who's your favorite Pokemon? I don't know. I don't play Pokemon. But if you like Pokemon... Omastar! What are you saying? What did you say? I didn't say anything. Yes, you so <laughs> awkward. It's not even funny. I'm going to cut all this. Anyway. All right. So <laughs> our email here is simplycreativepeople at gmail.com. Uh, oh, I can't wait. Here it comes. Here it comes. Can you do it? What? Come on. You did the first Twitter. Now read the second one. That was an this email. And now I'm going to read the emails. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to do the Twitter thing where you, where you sound like, where you say your name like it's the first time you've ever heard it. Oh, it reading I, reading I the letters out of your name is weird. Anyway. Especially yes. a name you made up two years ago. <laughs> uh, so we got one email. This from... isn't your name. Isn't that your name? Isn't actually Gregory Carpen? Oh, oh, oh no! I've re- I've doxed myself. Uh, that's uh, right. Just guess what it is, and you'll find me. So, all right, I'm done stalling. Read the email. <laughs> so our first email is from Boris. Uh, honestly, discussing the data. Uh, it's another group I know almost nothing about, which is weird because I love both the articles I do know, which is 140 and 6140. I noticed they. I noticed they really love that 140 ending. Oh, I know the numeric. Yeah, um, like we said earlier, like the calling back to 140 is kind of a fun trope in these articles, uh, and especially fun because it's all, like I said, different authors that are like, oh, I, I want to tie it into that core concept. Yep. Um, Guari, um, who was nice enough to introduce me to uh, Asserted Roland. Thank you. Uh, ever since reading the Parawatch tale by Gregory, which is in the Carpathians, I've been on a binge of Daylight articles, my faves being 4008, Wormwood, and 6140, The True Empire. Both great articles. So I have high hopes for this episode. The paragraph only exists, this paragraph only exists to brag about how I organized an online meeting between Azur Roland and <laughs> Gregory. And to close yep. this off, there is no ethical consumption under cannibalism. Damn right. Good job, Gregory. <laughs> Um, and I just want to say thank you to Serge Roland. I'm sure he's not listening, but uh, we did talk for like several hours about his concepts uh, about where the Dave originally were, and I plan to like factor that into future articles. Beautiful. All right. So here's the part you were making fun of me for. So uh, our Twitters are at, for the show is S I at S I M C R E A T. My personal Twitter is at G R I G O R I K A R P I N. I guess mine is at H-A-R-R-Y-B-L-A-N-K-S-C-P. See how natural that sounded? I bet you I missed a letter, but I, I'm not going to think about it. <laughs> it sounded about as natural as all these Daveite puns. Oh, that's cruel. Uh, but is it cold? Oh, good callback. <laughs> all right, bye. Uh, you, absol- you absolutely slew me, man. Everybody's dead, Dave. Oh, God. Deva, you fool. <laughs> Anymore? I'll just... I'll keep them to myself. They could be my own personal treasures. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>